What's up, everybody? I hope y'all are, are excited for this. We have with us today Mr. CY, definitely one of the Montreal legends in terms of the work that's been put in undeniably over the long time and still added to this very day. Welcome, Mr. CY, to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is basically the show where we talk to interesting people such as yourself. And we walk through the story of your life and we just try to extract knowledge nuggets. And at the same time, especially with somebody like you, the other goal is like document the the story of like the scene a little bit better. Right. Because like when I came into the game, I didn't know anything about anything and it created some some ego issues. And for me, I believe one of the best things that we can do in the future to avoid said issues is to kind of try to capture the story of Montreal. So that people like understand what's been done and why people say the things they say maybe in their lives or why people may uh, you know feel certain ways just in life you know especially for the young ones that are just coming into it so this is kind of like the effort of what we're doing here but really it's also about like let's say you had a wikipedia page we just trying to plug that we're just trying to plug it out fill it up with the story of it so with that we have like an opening question we'd like to run on but in order for it to be proper can you just let us know, Mr. CY, where you began your life, where the story of CY begins? Like which, like which part of Montreal, you mean? Or just even, yeah, Montreal. And then, yeah, which part of Montreal? Montreal, Canada, Point St. Charles, Redon area. Montreal and the whole life, pretty much. Dope. So the reason we need to know that is for this first question. It's a bit of a doozy. It gets the ball rolling, um, and and it's, it starts with my girlfriend, and uh, she's washing the dishes one time, and uh, she's got her phone playing, and it's that Black Eyed Peas song. The, I got a feeling, ooh. She's like vibing, she's dancing, she's like doing her thing, and I'm staring at her, and I'm going, hold the fuck up. When did this song become chores music? Like, right? Like, you gotta like think about that track. This song is now a song that people put on when they're working out, when they vibe, and when they're trying to go back to like this almost happier place in our life. And why this song in particular? Because you know, ten years ago, that song is like the middle of the night, the club banger, the like the song that would come on and make people dance in circles and shit. And then ten years goes by, the song doesn't change at all, right? Still the same song, but now we put it on for chores and exercises and all this kind of stuff. So it got me just thinking if like songs can evolve like that, right? You know, it's almost like a journey that the track goes on and the context that surrounds the song influences us and has a different relationship with us over time. That got me thinking about them kids though that are all dancing out to the Cardi B's and whatever else they're listening to that have no idea that they're going to be washing dishes to that shit one day. And then I realized we're already washing dishes to that shit today because really it's that that energy it kind of is what we go back to and it's really an aging thing but with that if songs go on journeys and everything's on these journeys it made us me think about us as like musicians and whatnot most of the time when you watch the interviews or you see like people kind of discussing their journey they start around this like adolescent era i discovered hip-hop then and my first influence is that i started writing here 
But yo, that's already like deep into a person's story. And if you think about musics and vibes and environments, technically, music be around us the entire time we're alive. Like there's a good chance you come out the hospital and there's some music even playing in that room already having a little influence on you. So like I can remember being like four or five years old, you know, and my dad's got those gray boxes, the amp and the fucking radio and the tape deck with the fucking wires going out to all the different speakers around the room. He'd be busting his like Led Zeppelin tapes. And at nighttime, it was the mc mario club mix blasting through mix 96 and all that shit my mom's was more into like discos those little knockoff kushtar disco fucking tapes you could buy for three bucks with all the hits redone poorly and like uh musicals and crap you know and then like even at christmas time this is one tape right like it's like fucking these edm remixes to like fucking christmas bangers and that's like present opening music and it's like when you think about it all of these things is like huge influences and things that kind of impact you because yo it's still the music you're still absorbing it but you have no control over the environment thus it's just kind of around you so i was hoping mr cy you could take us back to the youngest cy you could remember and tell us a little bit about what it sounded like the technologies there's the music in your life before you had any control over the music i love that question because i watched a few interviews definitely um, when I, I was young, uh, my mom, I don't know, I, I never really knew my, my father growing up, you know, so my mom raised me as a single mom and, uh, she, she, listened, she would always clean the house with like, back in the day, no one had an AC. So like, it was a thing where in, in, in Point St. Charles and a lot of places, I'm sure it's hot, obviously, but like, she would leave the front door open and she would just blast like country music like Shania Twain, like fucking Alan Jackson, like all these different type of like country music vibes, you know? So like like I I could say right now I could sing some Shania Twain music, for example, just from being a kid and it's programmed in my head from different times, right? Yeah, I'm not gonna I lie, I could too. <laughs> you know, like so like like so like I would say that, but then like a little like when I grew a little old, I would say I was maybe like, I could maybe remember being like seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. That would like, but then like later, a little later, my older brother who was like five years older than me. So when he was like 15, I was like 11, 10. Like, he, like I, I remember t taking, I'm not sure which one it is because I'm not a big fan, but like, I'm, it's not that I, I'm not a big fan. I, I just don't know. Like he had the Nas, one of the Nas CDs where he's like bent over like this in like an orange suit. And oh, like, still I, I used to take that and I bumped that. I, I used to take a Busta Rhymes one too. And like, then I just start liking rap. Like right then I was like, oh yeah, I love this shit. Like, plus I wanted to be like my older brother, like every other kid, would love, like they look up to their older brother. My older brother was cool, you know? So fucking, that that's how rap came about. Like I, I, he he would be out. I would sneak in his room, take CDs, and go bump them in my fucking discman. You know what I mean? Or put it in like a fucking probably only a discman. Yeah, that's all I could remember probably. Yeah, it's crazy how many people like yo. If you have like the older sibling in your life, it's like that's it. You're good. The older sibling's just the plug, and they get all the music. And when you're the older sibling, it's completely different. You're like, I had to go discover the shit and introduce it to the brother. Yeah, but I still blessed that you had um you had access to it at that point. And I guess this is 
I can go a little further with that one. You know what? Hold on. I'm sorry to cut you, bro. You know what? Go for it. Then, like, a little later when I could say, like, I got to, like, really into it where it was, like, now, like, I want to go to HMV maybe and get a CD or something along those lines. Like, I started liking, like, like DMX was one of my favorites, this and that. I like DMX. I liked, uh, like, a lot of... A lot of like you know when it was cool to buy like like you go line up for an album you know yeah and like I start getting I start I bought almost everybody's album at one point you know but then what changed for me was like I ran into Widget I don't know you know who Widget is for sure I do know Widget yeah he needs no introduction right that's my guy you know what though like I knew him back in the day so. We know who he is, but there's probably a lot of people who don't know who Widget is. So just giving him the flowers of his significance is always a good move. They about to understand this for sure. So like, I knew Widget when I was a little kid. He was he was friends with my older brother because he's my older brother's age. So he lived in the point uh, right near me at one point. So like, uh, fuck, I smoke a lot of weed. I forgot where I was going with that one. Would but you? uh yeah oh yeah yeah, boom, yeah, yeah yeah my bad fuck yeah so i i i moved like it was a thing you move a lot when you were young so i went when i moved around uh, away from that street like I, I stopped seeing him but then i remember i was about like maybe like 14 and i seen him downtown and he was pushing his cds like he was telling me yo you want to cop a cd and i remembered him when we, he remembered me and then and then you know and I copped one from him, and I bumped that, and it opened my mind up to Montreal rap. Right? Like that's what opened my mind up. Yeah, yeah. How old are you when he that happened? Video I was like fourteen years old. Say a I word. I was fourteen years old. That was about. That was about. I would say two thousand four, two thousand and five, something along those lines. And like, he had the video out when there wasn't many video outs. All I could think about at the time that came around was maybe like some Montreal North rap and not nothing around the West side that I ever heard of. And he did a video, it was called money makes the world go around. And like, that was the first big video I could remember from the Southwest Montreal area. Where did it get played? I just used to watch it on YouTube, but mm. I'm sure it might've got played places. I'm sure it might've. Even still, but it was a very big video. Lab noise did the video. It was just like that was a staple in the Montreal scene from my timings of getting into knowing what was what, you know? Yeah, to me, it's even just wild to think about being 14 and getting into the Montreal scene because, like, I can tell you at 14, I was at Wager and like it was just a lot of pop. I got into a lot of like music, but I didn't know a damn thing about Montreal even having a scene up until my early 20s even. I didn't even realize there was a Montreal hip-hop scene for real real until my early 20s. Do you remember who the first rapper you ever seen was? David Hodges. Uh, I take it back, 19 then. It was at eight, 17, 18 at Abbott. I saw David Hodges perform at the HM at Abbott and it fucked me up because yo, Hodges does that like fast shit, right? At least at that time. And he was doing, and I'm like right there at the discovering of the fast shit and it's blowing my mind. And Hodges just destroyed the stage and then he gets off and then he comes to the fucking video store I'm working at. So it's like 
different like you know like because you know the person then you see him in real life it, it kind of makes it almost like yo i could do that like he's writing movies for me know, but he's killing it that's the first rapper you ever heard and that's the first dude that gave me my first show that ever ever happened ever me my right. first show ever that guy yeah he's yeah, incredible McAllen, fire first show ever i wasn't very good which <laughs> most people aren't when they first knew. it was a packed house man i was it was, a, it was a great first opportunity there was a good 250. i just never seen the golf of max over there packed so much it was a packed house and like i didn't i didn't do that well but it was a stepping stone and it was a, a building block so i salute that guy he and then uh, he let me sell my mixtape too i had a mixtape and he let me put it up and i was selling them and yeah that was a good show, man. Salute to David Hodges, bro. Yeah, for real. David Salute Hodges guy. is dope. But yeah, so I guess up until that point, I went through the whole high school without even knowing it existed. So just the idea of being like 14 and getting ingratiated into the idea of Munchah Hip Hop, then it creates such a different trajectory for your life, your attitude, and a lot of different things. You know what I mean? Like That's why I want to create this series is because like, I had no idea and it created problems for me down the line so like knowing about stuff that exists is just puts you in a place of humility to let you build your own thing and then ultimately yo a lot of people know who cy is you know you've, you've done a lot of different things now, now at least. What, sorry now at least for sure yeah but at the end of the day it's like i feel i feel like i wasted a lot of big i appreciate the compliment i appreciate it definitely like, I just feel like I I did like like this is just me speaking out like I feel like at a peak where I was doing the best people would say I wasn't the best as an artist at the time you know like like the opportunities came and I took advantage of a lot of opportunities yes but like I could have took advantage I I could have went much further if I had the skill set I have now maybe three years ago when those when a lot of like the show opportunities came out of town and whatnot you know mm. but yeah i appreciate it man montreal i feel like i did almost all i could do out here you know yeah i mean i just know that at the end of the day like i so for me it was like i was sitting there like thinking about just people you know and just attitudes and everything that's happened because you know this montreal problem comes up a lot and i was like okay first of all i used to be part of the problem by being a negative nilly and shit but like then i realized yo see why still like doing his shit like wasn't see why doing his shit back then see why still doing his shit and i had this like moment of just like respect for that like not everybody just consistently drop shit for like seven eight straight fucking years you know regardless to whatever oh, happened in life yeah. and I think that that's an accolade that no matter what anybody feels about a thing that's just hard facts that's impressive because they're all almost all our videos and like it really is this consistent volume of work and like that to me is like impressive at this point in my life i i i look back sometimes and i say fuck yeah for real like that's one thing I've always tried to stay because everybody in Montreal always did videos. Everybody in Montreal always did shows and everybody did. But it's like a lot of people, they weren't consistent. And I realized the people that were getting a lot of love in the city were consistent for a set amount of years. You know what I mean? And it's like that now later on in 2021, I'm starting to realize like 
a lot of people that really didn't, a lot of people that took breaks, they take a break. I'm just going to take a break or sit back for a little bit. Like almost all of them are like not doing well right now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I'm not going to say no names, but like, there's like whoever was on top five years ago, there's a whole new people on top right now. You know what I mean? Whole new wave. Like K-Bands maybe wasn't around five years ago. Or but iBlast was. But now he's not. So, like, now there's new guys that are coming in, the next generation, you know? Like, so, yeah. Yeah, it's big, interesting. Uh, you got to stay consistent. Yeah, on you got to stay consistent because as soon as you're not, as soon as you're not, you're just going to look, you're, everyone's just going to look at you like you fell off, you know? I think this is, well, even within that, it's, like, not even about falling off. Like, I just started thinking about how many names just, aren't there anymore whether or not they fell off or just chose to go live lives or had wives and kids or life choices and it's not this you know, like, like but but there's life choices and then there's like if it's really gonna happen for you like you would just like let it happen for you. you're not gonna be like oh well it was gonna happen for me and i didn't want to like you know like like a lot of these guys in montreal i'm talking about every artist in toronto is bigger than every artist in montreal every french artist in Montreal is bigger than every English artist from Montreal. You know, it's just the way it goes out here in Montreal, right? Like, you got like a lot of guys. They just they don't they don't like they stop rapping for five years and they think they're gonna put out a video and it's just gonna do the numbers that they used to do. People forgot about you, man. People do so much in their lives. If I forgot what I did, fucking, I forgot great ass times I've had with a bunch of people that I fucking, you know what I mean? Like huge nights. I'm like, oh yeah, fuck, I would have never thought about that if he didn't bring it up, you know? Yeah. There's too much going on. People don't mistaken. Definitely. On top of like just life being what it is now. And I mean, I hear what you're saying. Um, I just, I had this interesting chat with this dude, Olivier Bro, who did the hip-hop cafe and all that. And he was like, Montreal maybe has a bit of a self-esteem issue where it doesn't believe in itself enough to fully commit to getting it. And I, I couldn't convince him he was wrong. And so I thought a lot about what he meant because when I lose the debate like that, you know, you kind of stuck to think about it. And I'm like, I don't know 100% on every pocket of life it is, but I suppose it is something that if you're not willing to be consistent, maybe you didn't necessarily have the same tenacity. <laughs> and not to say that you're like anybody who takes breaks, it's a problem or anything, but I don't know. When I think of all the heroes I had, there are people who lived and died by that shit and thus made it. And those are the people I look up to the most, all of the musical heroes I have. So, like, I don't know. It's, to me, it's just tough to think about because I'm going to say I misplayed like seven years of my career. <laughs> so, like, it's not like I can say I'm like fucking crushing it. I had so many mistakes to make, bridges to burn, things to learn and all that shit. So it's not like I'm uh, I'm fucking killing it. I just finally found a swag I like. <laughs> but, like, um, let's go back to your life, yeah. though, because you're like 14 yeah. and you discover Montreal hip hop. And how does that like actually impact you? pardon like when you discover montreal hip-hop like how does that actually impact you at 14 like that's not an experience i've really encountered that that much you know it honestly it like at 14 for example i looked at widget like he was a rap star bro 
like people like there wasn't many out to look at right now in montreal has thousands of rappers you know so i had a big a big it i used to bump my guy's cd all the fucking time bro i'm talking about like every morning i'm bumping this that and then it was just like i discovered other rappers in montreal you know and it was like i was a big fan of the montreal scene before i got into it and it made me want to start rapping a bit and like you know like I never took it. I've always wanted to rap since probably around Widget's time where he gave, where I got that CD. And uh, I never got it. A lot of my dudes told me like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. Like, yeah, bro, like, don't rap. No, why are you trying to rap, bro? No, you can't rap, man. Don't rap. Don't do that. Like, like almost everybody. So I just left it. Then I did a first song ever. And it was like, I was 23 years old. My first song ever. And fucking, it was terrible. I thought it was good, but it was fucking trash. But like, it broke my ice, you know? And then I seen like, you know that, it's like when you see a hustle and flow where she hurt herself, like, oh. Yo, what, when did you, you know make I mean? When did you make the first song? What year was that? First year, uh, the first song was uh, uh, 2013. Cool, yeah, so 2013. I did see hustle yeah, yeah. and flow. You know, like when she when she was like shocked to hear how she sounded, it, it was yes. like, kind of like that. You know, it was like that. I was like, so, oh man. So like what? Then like I needed more hours. I was like, yo, let me see what I could do now. Let's see. So and yo, then I got better, better, better. Hold, better, hold better, up, like, hold like, up. Like everything right? So how did you get to a point where you decided to even go make your first track? Because you know, you go from a place you're saying 19, maybe not. You're not feeling it. Then all of a sudden you're 23 and you're banging out the first track and you're feeling a different way. So like what kind of happens to create that desire to transition into that? There was this one rapper. I'm not even trying to give him no clout or whatever. He, he brought me to the studio. Like, you know, like he's a nice guy. You know, I just, he's not a good rapper. He brought me to the studio. We did a song together. That was the first song. He brought me to Makeway Studios before Makeway was where he was, before he changed three times. And I met Buds that night. And uh, yeah, so some Montreal artists put me on, he brought me to the studio and we did a song and then I met Makeway Buds at the time. And uh, yeah, from then on, I booked in a session a couple of days later, a solo session. And uh, I'll give you a reason why I don't want to say the rapper that brought me there his name because he doesn't deserve the clout for one. And like when I booked my solo session next, he was like jealous or, and complaining that I didn't bring him to the session. Like, like as if I got to bring him to every session I ever have with the man, you know? Just like a weird thought process of this guy. So like he ain't getting no shout outs, but yeah, I met Buds and yeah, Makeway Studios is the first studio I ever been to ever, ever, ever. Is this like the the, the basement Makeway, the Verdun Makeway, the Drix Makeway? Um, um it was in the point actually, uh, his condo. Right. Or whatever it is. It was like yeah, yeah, it was I think after the basement. I think the basement was the first and then that was the second, I think. Right. But yeah, in the point at his condo, he had a nice uh, setup there. That's blessed. So you went through, you made the first track. Did you do a video for that early stuff, or was it just audio at that point? Yeah, it was just audios. Like the first five were just audios, just audios. First video I ever did was so terrible, man. I paid fifty dollars. I was just so happy to shoot a video, and 
it was awful. My lips weren't even going with the fucking camera. It was awful. And I was putting out, for the first three years, I was just like, yo, put it out. Put it out. Let me get some views. And it was like, terrible. It was yeah, awful. It's a vibe, man. <clears throat> I'm, I'm spamming people. So people are listening to it, and it's trash. Ah. When you send them another one, when you send them another one, are they going to want to click it? Nah. No. You know? So, like, it's like when something's good, you want to hear it again. When some shit, you turn it off. You know? So, like, I'm, I'm, I'm for, for about three years was a transition period where I start getting good is when I start trying to get old fans back. Not like, hey, come back, listen to me, but, like, more of a, like, a revamp. Check me out. I know I wasted your time back in the day, but check me out now, you know? Yeah, I was, I was really bad. Like I was terrible, man. Um, like, like just that training day song you played, just the training day song you played. When you played that song, it made me want to go. Uh, unpri- made nah, me want to private it. You can't do that shit though. No, I know, I know. That's why it's there. But, but I'm gonna be yeah. real. There's about twenty videos. There's twenty videos deleted. Legit twenty. All no, like I, terrible. I, I did the same videos. thing, man. I did the same thing at one point. I used to do the same shit. Cause yo, back in like twenty twelve I started in twenty twelve, right? And then it was like, yo, check out my song, boom, spam it out. And then I realized, um, I mean, you got a few fans, but like it didn't really work. And then I found out everyone else was doing the same thing at the same time. And like we were all doing it and then people were not thrilled. Like regular non musician types were not very happy with this tactic <laughs> that every rapper discovered at the same because it was like this wave of people who came in online as like the old yeah. scene was transitioning into this like middle now scene. Well, I don't know. I feel like we're coming to a, a whole new wave because nobody knows what the fuck's happening. I feel next. like a lot of studios popped up. A lot of studios popped up around and made it more accessible for like Mm. more people to like pursue like, like cheaper studios I, I would, right I like because like i right. don't know like, like at one point when I, when I wanted to rap in 2012 before i went to make way in 2013 i looked at a couple studios they're like 80 bucks an hour minimum four hours like for real crazy numbers you know it's like then like then in like 2013 14 there was a whole bunch of studios 20 an hour 25 an hour 30 two hours for 30 like and they're legit studios you go get some nice sound you know that's so that made it probably more accessible i got real fucking lucky then um i met clarity and he brought me to the drx and they were like what 30 an hour or whatever or 35 or something i don't know maybe and that was like the first place that was at the the yeah right but that was where buds ended up taking over the location at one point right um and then i met my homeboy and my homeboy had a setup at home and my homeboy is like yo come to the crib we'll do it and then i met i just did it with him and then i had no idea what the cost was for studios for a really long time until i met beat makers and shit and they're like yo bro it cost this much i'm like oh say a word that's what it costs like so um but I didn't, you know i didn't realize yeah, it took that road too Cause like I didn't realize though that like that was the thing. You know, just even you saying that that in like 2012 in that time it was that expensive to find access to a studio. Cause I never, I never did. <laughs> it was just luck that happened. I got lucky every fucking time. Um, 
Fair enough. So you end up. I took that. I took that route of recording at people's houses too, though, and it's like, it's like it gets the job done for no money, but like, uh, the quality, like, it's just I had to go to a real studio after a while. You know, it was just like it was nice, though. It served its purpose, I guess, for me. Um, I don't know. My dude is like, I'm a sound engineer, trust. And it sounded I, he's like, but generally I also did the version where I went to the dude's house and it did not sound I, and, uh, but, um, I don't know. As time went on, gear got better and it got way easier to record at home. And, yeah, but, um, sure. recording at home, you don't even know. Yeah. But like, yo, that's fair about the 2012 era. So like at that point though, when you're starting to get into it, are you like performing at the same time or is it more like you're just releasing music? Within the first year, I got that show with Dave Hodges in Dorval, and uh, I did that show, and uh, from there, I started looking for more shows, trying to, like, get more stuff, and I wasn't very good, so, like, no one no one in the scene was giving me any kind of look whatsoever, no show at all, probably for, like, a year or two after that, probably, Say word, eh? So just because the performance didn't go the way you wanted, it was like the reputation stuck for a minute. No, I don't even think it was that. I just think it was like, I was like, it wasn't a good performance as well, but it was more of like, like, I, like Facebook was so, Facebook is so trash right now. It used to be so good. Like, and like, when you add somebody, like that person's in your life now. Like, here's like, I know it sounds weird, but like, it's not like that anymore. You have all these people on your Facebook. You don't even see nothing with all these algorithms. You don't see shit. Like back then, it was like you have him. Now he. Now you got that guy around. Like you know. So like the more I, the more I reached out to different people and I met different people. Like you know, like I, I, I knew who they were now. And so you know, like I met new. Now it's like it's so simple to meet everybody. Like you just add them on Facebook. You got them, and it was like that too. But like you had to meet someone at a show or something you know it was more like it was it was facebook was better back then i agree completely um i mean all of it was that's how i met a lot of people and then yo there was that dynamic of like you'd be at the show yo what's your facebook that was back before instagram was cool now it's like what's your instagram and you have to have instagram otherwise people under 25 won't talk to you (laughs) but like um it's true (laughs) like um but like basically um that is a that's a fair point and it even impacted like the the ability to network and market now it's extremely linked to like honestly it's really like if you can get a fan base around people who like big you up a lot you do really well on facebook and if you can't get a lot of people bigging you up on facebook it's a complicated game and even then it's not real it's like just the same like people all the time like it's it's a really strange world on facebook right now to me i remember i used to average like 200 likes on facebook 250 likes on facebook i can't even get like 10 now like it's like sometimes i get 30 40 50 60 yeah yeah i do that but like on average i don't get many it's not it's just not there like it's just really not like it used to be i don't know instagram I put so much effort on Instagram that like I stopped using Facebook. So maybe it just did something where like, I'm not interacting. So like, it doesn't show whatever, yeah. but like on Instagram, it's just, it's just so, I'm so active on there that like, 
I'm just like, I put all my energy there. I'm not really, I don't really care about Facebook. Facebook, the mom's on there, pops is on there, fucking grandmas are on there, fucking cat lovers, all the, all kinds of people on there. You know, and Instagram is really good for artists. I would like, you know, do you have Snapchat? Obviously, I'm sure you do. So I do, but I don't use it right. I only found out real recently how important Snapchat is. And I got put in my place by a lot of people recently. <laughs> I don't have a Snapchat. And my boy, uh, not even just my boy, a whole bunch of people are like, yo, get that. What are you doing, bro? Get that. I'm like, I guess I got to get that. But yo, you got to. So what I found out is people in Europe <laughs> don't treat Snapchat like the way we do. They fuck, they fucks with it, right? Especially, and then like there's that search feature. So I found out from Golden Jenny in Norway that like you can go search Montreal posts and that what you post shows up in this thing. So I tested it. If you put your location on and you fucking post shit, it'll show up in like NDG posts. So I can just snap my shit. But then there's the store, right? So now I just got to submit my music to the Snapchat store and I can just fucking like, you know, fucking just now do Snapchats like their TikToks or whatever. Like, yo, it's wild. And then they've got, it's just like, it's just not what it was when I used to use Snapchat. It's not that Snapchat. It's just the same app, but a completely different thing now. And it turned out like the, the premium Snapchats, that, that isn't how the whole world treated it. That was just one market of Snapchat. <laughs> like there's just, you know, even this kid, he told me like Instagram is for business and Snapchat is for personal relationship building. And that stuck in my head so heavy. Like, I never thought about it. If that's how people see it, maybe, like, I misplayed a bit on social by doing nothing with my Snapchat for, like, six years. <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm late, bro, but you're one of the first ones I see on Twitch, bro. Um, like, I know it's a thing now, but, like, I, I don't have, I don't see many. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say you're the first one, but the first one I've ever seen, like, Oh, Twitch was it? It was you, bro. I never yeah, fucking pre seen it Preach definitely that. Uh, put me onto the Twitch game for real, reals. Um, but uh, I was aware of live streaming, and well, actually, it was all for virtual reality at first. And then I'm apparently way too ahead of the money. Like, there's no good reason to push it that hard right now for virtual reality. But I got really inspired by that, and I felt like Twitch was more of a middle ground to where virtual reality was going because like YouTube is like video on demand. So it's like the past and now everything is like live experiences and shit. So in theory, I wanna be prepared in my content making for a world that is all live was my thinking. And then we just kind of moved it and over. plus the reviews were not doing well. So we moved it over, got the interviews going and then COVID said we couldn't go to anybody's house no more. So uh, I started the Zoom and it just kind of worked really well and then preach was like fuck your youtube care about twitch so I, I listened and uh nah the interview space the talk show space all y'all when you go live and do your shits if you're doing it on twitch you can make money doing it if you do it on anywhere else you're not going to make money doing it and that was the biggest thing for me where my main message about twitch is yeah everything else is cool but youtube dollars is trash compared to twitch dollars I believe you. YouTube's trash, period. Big trash. Like, I mean, bro, I got, like... The only thing I get, like, the reason... Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, go on. No, you go on. The reason I fuck... The only reason I fucked with YouTube so long and I still do is just because, like, 
it's that like original one that like everyone like tends to go to now, you know, and it's like like I remember like like now now like you everyone runs YouTube on their TV. It's like it's I don't even know. It's like it's it's like an app. It is an app, but it's like 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 you get it everywhere. Like it's very accessible. Like people like like I like SoundCloud, right? SoundCloud's cool, it's respectable, it's been around a minute, whatever. But like you're limiting your your your, your whoever's watching you to just listening to you, you know? And like they're like that person could listen to you all day and walk right by you, for example, if that was the only like, you know, so like that's why I my like out of all the views I've ever accumulated, I only have two thousand SoundCloud views total in my life. I never really messed with SoundCloud. I just put stuff up, never shared a SoundCloud link and I got whatever. But, but like that's why I always did YouTube. YouTube people are watching and then they then they can recognize you in person. They get used to a familiar face, this and that, you know? That's why I like YouTube. I still fucks with YouTube still. Like to me, YouTube is the archive. It's where I put stuff like after I'm done with it on Twitch. So Twitch is like live like at a certain point because of copyright concerns uh i stopped streaming the shit to, to youtube the, this stuff so i stream right. it to facebook because and the only reason i stream it to facebook is to say come to twitch <laughs> like that's the only reason i stream it to facebook i really don't want people watching on facebook because i have to go look over there to see the chat and it's hard but like twitch is blessed to me and um part of it too is the community element so i saw the djs and uh, again, big ups to preach and Kobe. Without this guy, like, kind of introducing me to his little DJ universe on Twitch, I don't think I would have fucked with it twice as hard and took it as seriously, right? So, like, he starts doing these raid trains and all these, there's like these gambling games built in. Unfortunately for my show, gambling games don't make sense. But, like, just watching these different dynamics and community elements made me realize that, like, Twitch is like this, this, like, platform to host shit right and then it comes with the discord which is like the private party and the discord is where you can go do like other shit like watch movies together which i'm really bad at that side of it but like i don't know man it's really different than youtube youtube is an algorithm game fundamentally like if you play youtube correctly in any way shape or form it will reward you and if you don't it punishes you twitch is like oh go fuck yourself go find your own audience we don't give a shit about you and it's really different so i actually have to put work into creating my audience i have to go hang out like at other creators places and like meet people so as an example i met this dude in south africa and me and him raid into this guy's channel a raid is when your audience and you go to the next man's channel um and uh this channel has harry max moderator there and this guy clearly did better work than I did. And he went back to that channel and put in a little love over there. And Harry Mack rated this man with 500 viewers. And I'm like, say a word. I sh don't remember the name of the channel. I fucked up. My, my boy in South Africa did not fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Like, you start seeing it like it's this community-oriented, this vibe. And that really, really got me, like, inspired and shit to, like, pursue this because... It feels more like I can control the outcome via the efforts of my life more than YouTube, which feels like fucking gambling. And frankly, if you're not educational, clean video essays, good fucking luck. <laughs> no, you know, I definitely, I definitely agree with what you just said. Heavy, actually, I see exactly why. I, I get it. Definitely. Yeah, and it's fun. 
unlike that's the other part like you can just honestly sometimes sit there and smoke joints watching music videos for an hour and that's an appropriate use of time on twitch that's what all the big boys do and then like i don't know it's fun and then like i talk you can like yo like there's sometimes rappers and shit on there right like mers like he's there you can go to a stream and talk to him and it's like that's cool like i don't care what anyone says like that kind of shit's just cool to me and then if you're live people can come talk to you the same way so like if a famous person's on live on twitch how many people would, would it say for example are watching like, like a crazy number or like so it's still a small thing king of the dot can pull fifty thousand people like it'll say fifty thousand like king, king of the dot doing big events fifty thousand people i've seen it yo when king of the dot does those i go fuck my life because it's like one of those days but um average like a t-pain stream five thousand is an easy number you'll see on a regular but the thing is um like, I like that breakdown I like that fucking breakdown that was lit um, yeah that was lit uh, wow. yeah but that's king of the dot let's be real and they're running yeah, it like a network sure, sure. yo it's wild and i'm not gonna say anything and they had a tournament and they had a tournament too yeah, all I'm going to say is we interviewed Lush One and then Lush One's doing interview. Anyways, I'm not going to say anything because it's all love and I fucking love Lush One. That guy was one of the best interviews in my life. He, he like got me to love Montreal even more than I thought I loved Montreal because that guy loves Montreal and it's amazing. I'm a Lush One fan. I can't lie. I fuck with him. He's a, he was a cool dude. But, um, and then, like, when you get into the smaller realms of it, um, there's this example of this girl, like, Dog Shells. She just spits freestyles. This is more attainable, I would call it, like, what we could get in a year type thing if everybody worked together. And, uh, it's like 100, 150 people at one time, but she probably pulls, like, 50 to 100 a stream. That's what people don't get about Twitch, is if you can create that culture and the vibe, and we create the collective audience together like believe it or not i am the least competitive with this shit i want all of my peers on fucking twitch i want y'all making music on twitch do everything i'm doing because then we get the audience there and the audience on twitch is in microtransaction video game mode and that's a good thing for all of us so it's like you like yo if you write a song on twitch motherfucker can donate to you thus monetizing the creation process is wild it's a whole new game oh yeah that's good look and like do i think it's a fast grind no it dude it is it is like a lot of work like the numbers are up and down and it's not quick but um i made more on twitch than i did in like two years on youtube that's a lie i made about a year on twitch sorry in about four months five months on twitch i was able to get a year's worth of youtube so that to me was hugely inspirational dollars wise so i was like okay no this is the move but the thing is it's like stacked efforts so like let's say we did we're, we were all set up to do shows we could run like eight hour concerts on twitch shit like that and it's all viable and then we create this like online buzz for the people that don't want to leave their crib anyway i go rant about twitch all day <clears throat> I fuck with it. I fuck with it. I'm gonna start looking into that. Definitely. I, I like how it looks. Should I like how your shit looks? Yo, it's super simple. Like it just needs a computer. Honestly, it's super like 
easier than you think is on uh saying anyway if you need help with twitch i can definitely help you with that but yeah so what happened because i know at some point you get into battle rap too that is that something that's happened in your life and i don't know when you start battle um, rapping um i start battle rapping i bought i've always i've always liked battle rap i've always like watched it from back in the day this and that for like 10 years plus <clears throat> but um first thing ever battle rap wise so there was like this little tournament see remember i said i didn't have a, i had the first show at mcallen's from dave hodges yes and then they did another thing it was like a battle rap event like a year later and i did that i did that and like uh Sinical was a judge with uh let me know and a couple other people and you know, the, uh, the 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 you say you I think you can rap thing they're like contests. Yeah, yeah. Bro, I competed Was in that, that shit. If it was like a song contest thing, it wasn't battle rap, but if it was a song com competition with like sets and shit and Meyer Clarity won it, then yes. No, I remember that. I remember that too. I remember. I think that was, okay. uh, yeah, it I, remember, I know exactly thing. what you're talking about. No, it wasn't that. It was, it okay. was a little bit. I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, um, yeah, I did a battle rap event there, and uh, I won the first battle, and then I, then I I didn't win the tournament, and then like I was just like whatever. I was a little let down at the time, but then like I got a little bit better with rap uh, music wise. I was getting better, and then like I, I on DMS I, I battled fucking retarded special rap, and like I like destroyed his whole world, you know. Like online was like a frenzy, bro. Like. Uh, I destroyed him, man, and like, yeah, everyone let him know, and so like that was my first battle, and like that same night, uh, Chrome battled, uh, I forget who he battled, but he killed that guy too, and I called him out in my b battle, and then he called me out in his battle, so like now DMS wanted to put me versus Chrome, we Chrome, like, only had two battles in, but he was good, though, you know? And, like, I wasn't I wasn't fully confident that I could beat Chrome, to be completely honest. Like, he was really, like, he was, like, he wasn't seasoned, but he was really good, you know? And, like, I didn't end up battling him, and uh, I just remember, like, after that special Raw battle, like, I was getting offers to battle, like, in all the leagues in Ontario and shit, you know? So, like... I went to battle in, in uh, Ottawa, killed some dude out there. I went to battle. I got paid. I got paid to battle in Kingston twice. I beat both the dudes. I got paid to battle in Niagara Falls, killed that dude. I was like eight. I was like eight and zero or some shit. And like then I battled. Then they wanted me to battle Trevi. I didn't want to battle Trevi. I was saying I'm not battling him, you know? Because, like, this is who they were trying to push up next, you know? Like, and Trevi was pretty good. He wasn't seasoned yet. But I know, like, he was just waiting for, like, like his next step. And, like, someone like me was probably his next step before he could, like, start getting it. Like, like it was just a nice matchup that they won. I guess DMS won, and I didn't do it. And then I decided to jump in somebody's battle and call out Trevi at an event with a fake machete in my waistband and like like i wrapped some 
said it was like really nice. Everybody wanted to see that. Everybody at the event's like, oh, that's dope. I can't wait to see that. No, no, no. So I was happy that like I was in like a legit battle that like the city really wanted to see this battle. You know what I mean? And like uh, Trevi ended up beating me that in the in the battle. So like that was my first L. So I was like eight and one. And then after that, uh, Spook One requested to come back from his King of the Dot days. The same night, Lil Pesci came back to battle Chrome. So Lil Pesci versus Chrome, I uh, I battled Spook One that night. And like apparently Spook One, I guess, won. But I, I beat myself that night. So I was eight and two. Then I never battled again. That was like five years ago. I just felt like I was putting myself in a box. Like, it was great at the time for the exposure because it really did give me a lot of exposure at the time. And in front of big-ass crowds, like 200, 250 people, 300 people, you know? Usually to get in front of those type of number of crowds in Montreal, you got to move tickets for a promoter. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have legitimately so never like, performed was in front of that many people with my own music. Like, I've never performed in front of that many people with my own set. Like, okay, not so one time. That, that, that being said, it was like... Like, that was just, like, an opportunity where if you accept this battle, you're going to perform in front of a lot of people at, at, the, at, at Belmont. You know what I mean? It's, like, it's nice. It's a nice amount of people. Yeah, man. And if you do well, like, it's rewarding. If you do bad, it's not rewarding, you know? So I stopped battling five years ago, and uh, I would battle again, though. I would come back and battle one more time if the opportunity, like, came presented itself. I would probably battle again. Like if someone offered me a couple hundred dollars to battle somewhere, I would I would probably do it just for the fuck of it. Yeah, that's fair enough. I'm certain that people will see this, and it is not put into the universe, and who knows what can happen from that kind of thing. So when did you start like getting into throwing shows? Because I know that CY and showcases are synonymous terms. <clears throat> yeah, what I did was uh, so no one was giving me shows at the time so i was like you know what uh i did a show it was called survival of the illest at piranha bar you did that so it was like a tournament show. yeah a long time that was with ill vibes right there was like three of them though so, yeah somebody won i don't remember who won but like like it was cool, like, I, like, boom, I seen the layout, it was nice, and, like, I realized that, like, like, like they were just passing through town, I said, yo, I could do shows, Tell, like, I got into the different, different agreements with them on how much drinks would be selling, et cetera, et cetera, and then from then on, I would, I said to myself, the main, why am I doing this? I said to myself, I wanted to make some money at the time, because I really didn't make much money, but I also wanted to give myself an opportunity to shine as well, right? So, like, I could do these shows. Like, like you know, like, and then when I did the shows, it was like everyone was showing mad love for the opportunities. Nah, 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 nah. So I made a lot of bridges as CY to promote a lot, too, you know, like quite a few, you know, like a lot of people be like, yo, this is my cousin. And his cousin's like, yo, dude, let me buy you a couple shots, man. You gave my cousin a good show. Like, you know, like, a whole bunch of shit like that all day, bro. I had people buying me drinks all night. Fucking, you know, you want another gin and tonic? Fucking 10 of them. This one guy bought me 10 of them. like, nine bucks each. Nine bucks on drinks. Just remember, like, this. Sometimes it's, like, good. Anyway, so, yeah. But, uh, 
Yeah, I forgot where I was going with that. We're just talking about promoting stuff. Um, but yeah, I can totally yeah, empathize yeah, oh with yeah, that. Exactly. So, yeah. My bad, bro. I to like do the shows to like give myself opportunities and put on the homies and also make some money, this and that at the door. So I started doing shows and like from then on, like I started doing shows at like a whole bunch of different bars, like Piranha Bar, Crow Bar, uh, Alize Bar, um, a whole bunch of bars, like, like at least 10, 15 bars. I tried out a whole bunch of bars and uh, threw a whole bunch of different shows and then uh, then I just said to myself, like, at one point I was in promoter mode only. So at the shows, I wouldn't even perform. Then towards the end, like, I, like, definitely took advantage of, like, performing and, like, putting myself on maybe during peaks of the night. And I know everybody's in the building and then and, uh, I'm, I'm going to go on, you know, like taking more advantage of putting on the show kind of vibe, you know. So, yeah, that's how that started, bro. I did a lot of different shows. I probably put together at least, like, probably a hundred. And, like, Jack Daniels sponsored one event. Uh, had a few shows I put together. 200 people came, 175 people. A lot of the shows were, like, 50 people. Some of them were really bad at, like, 30 people, depending on, like, who I booked or something like, you know, like I was, but like one thing I was guilty of, bro. And people need to know this for sure. Is that like, I was guilty of what was making the city look bad. And the reason why someone like you openly would say like, Oh, I didn't fuck with the scene at the time. For example, it's yeah. because I was giving fucking people opportunity. I was giving people opportunities for their money. Thank you for giving me $60 to my e-transfer. What's your name? Fucking, Jacob, you're on the flyer, buddy. You spell Jacob with a K? Sounds good. You're on there, dude. And like, yeah, I will. I will openly say so like, I did I talk some shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it was like, but it wasn't just like okay, like it wasn't it like it is. Man. It wasn't just like you too. It was like I, I'm gonna be honest. Part of that for me was like this the sense of being spoiled. I so I got like fucking lucky, like I said before. Like, my first show was because of this Jeremy Dobsky dude. And anyways, it puts me in this vibe. And then I just kept getting invited back to shit. And nobody ever asked me to sell tickets. Nobody ever asked me for money. And, you know, I, they, they had, like, flyers and shit. And it just felt like it was really easy. <clears throat> you know, like, and the shit started earlier. I, that was my actual biggest problem was everything started late. And I couldn't go to anything. So part of it was a little bit of jealousy. That there was no shows that were like starting at like 7 p.m. But the other part was all of a sudden it was. Sorry? That's uh, true. They always start late. And the other side was like, um, I don't know, man. Like all of a sudden people start talking about this $50. And you're like, say a word. I'm like, but like I got footage, <laughs> you know, like 50. But I, I can get people to come if we do it. Like, And then it was like I couldn't sell tickets in the environment that it was. So there's a lot, but you know what my problem was? I did nothing to fix it. So I was just a hater. That's the truth of the situation at that time. But like, um, reality was, I just was like, yo, I can't sell tickets to a show that starts at 11 on a Thursday. <laughs> like, it's just not viable. Um, bro. bro, you just picked my brain because I was about to literally like, I was like, like do I say it or not? But yeah. Like the notorious bars on a Thursday. Let me tell you about that, bro. It's like, 
it's like every single bar I've booked, they give you a Friday and a Saturday. Do well or don't do well, whatever it is, they're going to try and push Thursdays on you. Like, oh, it's cheaper this day. Well, we'll charge you this, right? And it's like, okay. But, like, it's bad on a Thursday, bro. Oh, my God. Like, how do you get mad at somebody? Like, I just sold I just sold 30 tickets for your show. I went on I went on the stage, I actually destroyed it, not thinking I destroyed it, and then like two years later I look back, I didn't. Like I murdered this shit. There's mad footage. Bro, remember 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 that night we pulled up in the limo and shit? I do remember that night. That night, bro, like people were showing so much love. Like around that time was like a lot of love, man. Like I really like like that was a good that was a good uh time time for me, so I forgot the question, bro, man. My bad. Fuck, man. So, hey, we're talking about Thursday nights and just... You know, for me, it was the... Like, Thursday nights, bro, like, like, yeah, terrible, man. Just terrible. There was, like, fucking... A lot of nights, there's, like, 20 people there. Everyone's a rapper. It was just a bad look. Really not a good look for the scene. But the bars would... The bars need to fill up their Thursdays is what I'm getting at. And they fucking trick people into taking the Thursdays, even though it's a good opportunity uh, it's just like people don't come, man. No one comes. How you gonna get? How you gonna get mad at somebody? You know? How you gonna get mad at someone that can't come? They got work the next day. You know? That was a lot of the situation I felt. Um, honestly, with that, and we can go one step further because I'm always happy to point out things like this that I noticed. Do you remember the twenty dollar rum and coke Belmont pitcher? Yeah, that was dope, man. I actually got that a fucking bunch of times, bro. Bro, I would Literally. sell Me tickets. Misery, that sold tickets. I would, like, do hip-hop karaoke at that time. And I would get people to come to that shit, like, sometimes six, seven people, just because I would say $20 rum and coke pitcher. And that was, like, a really easy sell. Like, people were like, that's a good deal. I want that. Then it became $32 for the same pitcher, and I never got anybody to come to <laughs> Belmont again. <clears throat> I swear that one change bro, couldn't do it again. It was over. And then have you ever been to sorry? Have you ever been to have you ever been to the McAllen's when they were doing the twenty dollar thing? Yeah, man, I did. I absolutely did. That's amazing. That was that's that was amazing. amazing. That was another time where you could be Ooh. like, "Yo, if you're," because I did a couple of things Ooh. there. Uh, it was a performer, like two or three, maybe probably all related to Hodges in some way, but like. But yeah, it yeah, was, they were, they were actually. And it was like that price. What was it? Twenty dollars if you were a guy, fifteen if you were a girl, or some shit. And it was like unlimited drinks till one a.m. or some shit. And it was like say word. And you would just. It was like the best. But those drink deals were kind of what helped me sell tickets back then. Believe it or not, more than anything else, because everyone always asked me how much the drinks would cost at every venue, and when I started saying nine dollars it's over yeah. <laughs> nobody's coming <laughs> i can't I, I don't know anybody that's rich enough that wants to go spend nine dollars when the bottle's fifteen dollars <laughs> no it's, it's exactly but then uh yeah 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 you're right that's the only one for the bar scene where i'm like yo i don't even know that i want to fuck with bars i'm like more inclined to get lofts <laughs> Where, like, at least you can not have to deal with bar prices. You were doing the promotion for a while, and you're still doing the music thing. 
basically i've only ever seen you really release singles are there a lot of cy mixtapes and stuff out there that i'm just unaware of um yeah there's a few actually i put out one the first year i ever rapped and it was like terrible terrible cover art terrible songs everything was trash i made a hundred copies i sold maybe like I'm not even gonna lie to people. I think I probably sold like 50, maybe 40. And uh, I just gave the rest away. So I, 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 those were circulating for a while. Not, And then uh, I did another one when I got more consistent. And like I threw a mixtape release party at Makeway. And uh, I, I only made maybe like 60 hard copies, you know? Uh, and I sold like all of them, except for maybe like six, five, six of them. And then uh, I, that was like, everyone's telling me, put it online, go digital. They do, do this, everyone does this. This is the proper way to move with it. And they're right, I completely get it. The, the world has moved from the hard copies, don't do that. But the reason I, I, I say it like this, the streaming is great. You make generate great money. If you're a certain level of artist, if you're a smaller artist or a or like and a little bit like a little bit of a buzz, you're not making a whole bunch. So if I could take advantage of the fifty people that are supporting me for real on a ten dollar play, ten dollar tape, or fifteen dollar tape, whatever, then I think that I would make more on 60 copies at 15 a piece, $900. I'm not making or generating $900 off of putting my mixtape online without busting my ass. This is an excuse to have a party, rent out the studio at Makeway, have 25, 35 people in that bitch, rent a limo. You know, different things, you know? It's just So I did that and decided to keep making CDs in physical copy form, even though I know that it's probably smarter to go digital. I just knew that I could make a certain amount of money, if you catch what I'm saying, you know? I do. I mean, I would definitely be one of those guys that would push for digital, but I would, even if you don't want the streaming services... I would push for Bandcamp because, like, you could flip your 50 physicals, keep it limited for, like, X amount of time. Then once you've sold out, run it on Bandcamp and then flip additional copies because then it's infinite, right? And you set the price. Like, I had, I just put up all these mixtapes I'm making now. I'm just fucking putting them up on Bandcamp for $10. Buy them or not. They're still for sale. <laughs> like, <clears throat> and Bandcamp's kind of blessed with it. I, I... I don't push Bandcamp like I should because I'm more interested in Spotify because I use Spotify. I'm very selfish like that. I don't give a fuck about like money on that. It's like I use Spotify. I have to be there because I want to listen to myself on the, the platform no, I use. That, no, that, it's definitely the, one of the best things to do right now for sure. Bro. But don't get me wrong. I, I was Bandcamp? just talking about for like four, 
this was like four years ago. Yeah, no, but four years ago was a different vibe. Four years ago, it wasn't like you could just go easily cop a distro kid for like fucking fifteen dollars and just put it out. Four years ago, it was a lot more like sixty to eighty dollars type shit for the same project that you're putting out for like a fraction of the price. Now it was expensive. Yeah. I mean, I'm transitioning to yeah. And like, I'm pretty sure like the original shit was almost invite only with labels for a minute. I don't remember. I know by 2017 I was able to do it, but I don't remember how easy it was to do it as a completely independent artist prior to that. It could have been. I don't know. It wasn't at least general knowledge. But uh, why? So I guess my question has always been why? Because yo, for me, it's always been like, why isn't C on Spotify as like a consumer? Because like I would have spun your shit more if it was on Spotify. Yeah, it definitely should be. Definitely, it's, I, I don't know, man. You know what it is? I, I, I'm, I'm just trying to hit. I'm gonna be on there soon, definitely. I'm, I'm just gonna. I wanted to get on there. And not sit on there with small statistics. And I want to be on there when I'm a little bit more established and shit. But that would help me establish them too. You know, I, I got to get on that. Right. It's I mean, to be fair, I'm not even going to flex. Like, I think Spotify is the coolest shit in terms of stats. I So right now, as we're sitting here talking, whoops, uh, I've put it up by mistake on your face. But I uh, wasn't doing it now. But for the most part, I've been playing my own shit over and over again. My girlfriend plays my own shit because we worked it out that if we stream X number of hours in my music, it pays for both my Spotify and my distro kid. So it lets me break even on the initial investment. And I'm very okay with fake stats if I can make back enough money to cover my costs. Like, fuck the stats to me, right? Plus, eh. Stats are overrated. <laughs> like to me, it's like I want to know how many people are willing to spin my song overnight. That is the only stat I give a shit about right now. Or my Patreon. That's a cool stat. I think people pick different stats that I'm not really like. I don't know. Like you have a lot of YouTube views. I have a lot of YouTube views. It's like I don't know what that really means at the end of the day. You know, like it's it's a lot. And a lot, a lot less than a lot less than it used to, right? Yeah. Like for any video, here, here. This is I, I have zero to hide about stuff. Bro, for any video I don't any video probably besides four videos that I've never used Google ads for has I've I've never gotten over five thousand plays. And that's five thousand plays after like a long time like you know yeah so like like the new age like for example there was a time people are like you can you can google youtube views and go buy whatever amount of views you want to buy right now this and that this and that i don't want to do that bro anybody could put up a google thing and then you know i want to go to the source i want to so i pay youtube to promote me i want you to recommend me more on the right side of the screen you know what i'm saying i want you to play me as a skippable ad before different artists if i choose to put it on that like you know there's there's definitely proper ways to promote that artists don't do so where like i don't understand how i did it for so long where you could put in so much work on writing you pay to record you pay money for your video your people come you drink you smoke you take time out of your day 
and your video sits on YouTube with 500 plays. Mm. It's just not worth it, man. You know, like, you think Drake wakes up and he goes copy-paste on Facebook and shares a link? He has a whole marketing team that handles that whole shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Like, yes, he's popular, period. But, like, these people, a lot, a lot of these artists don't know about these new things, man. Google Ads, man. Get your AdSense shit together. Get it popping. Spend a little bit of money. Perception's key. Hella key. Yo, he's yeah. not lying, though. I never paid for ads on some my day job they did it and I saw the numbers they do and I said oh say word I can't afford this right now and until I can afford it right I didn't want to do it but the flip side to that is I do have videos that regardless of talent skill or whatever I like 80 yo motherfuckers don't click on videos that are at 80 views after a year I promise like they just don't i have hard proof of that any video i have that hit a certain threshold of views gets clicks for life and anything that's under that threshold let's say like it's a hundred views yeah it's right after a while where like it's gonna it's gonna generate a certain amount of views from other people watching it that day about but it's into people's recommendations but even more like that i remember you this know? one time over the beginnings of like covid uh this girl didn't realize i had a, a girlfriend and so we talk in and so I send her the music because like I didn't realize what was happening at that moment. And uh, she's like, you only have like a fucking hundred views. Why am I going to click on this? You're trash. And I'm like, how do you know I'm trash? Maybe, maybe I only have a hundred views because you're a fucking snob and won't click on my video. And then she did and said, you're not, you know, like when they don't like it, but they don't think it's that trash, like it's in the middle. I got the in the middle lukewarm compliment and I'm like, I'll accept the lukewarm in the middle compliment. But like, but right. Like it just shows if you had more of it, it would, she would be like, Oh, let me go click this. If it has 10 K. That's true. Um, and that's a, that's a flex and I'm not like against that in nature. Um, I just was super key. I'm, you know, justice McFly. Yes, of course. So I end up working with this. I know who he is. I know who he is. So like I, I end up working with him in my day job, and he's busy teaching me about how Google does organic, which is the complete opposite side of the coin. So there's paid, and then there's organic, which is a lot about keyword manipulation. So the next thing you know, I'm making long ass album reviews that are able to get like eight thousand. Well, not a lot. I got a few that got hits, like a couple thousand views. Like for a minute, it was really like yo this could turn into something until it was like yo unless i hit the right album it's not gonna work because most people don't give a shit what i think no more and uh because that happens too it's a community and it's like if you love eminem they yeah, love yeah. you and if you don't talk yeah. about eminem they don't care about you but like so it changed but like back then i'm like yo one time like i showed up in google and got eight thousand views just because my video was long enough to trick google into thinking i was the album like that's the kind of shit that like justice mcfly put me on so like everything i got was organic even this interview shit it's really about keyword domination too right so i try to make long ass interviews a bit so that i show up when people look for you so then it creates like a presence like that and to me that's been my flex for like the longest time because i felt like if we could balance the two sides of the coin right so a lot of people did a lot of buzz on paid, but people ain't really fucking with organic. So I'm trying to be the dude that's showing people the organic side so that, you know, but yeah, I, sure. paid, man, honestly, though, when the time comes, man, yo, I'll put up money for when, when the time comes. In the meantime, 
I'm okay with just like having low key shit. Cause I know that when people go look for shit later on, it's gonna hold up. I'm not right with that. YouTube, YouTube, like YouTube, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like it's just depending on what you're looking looking to do, I guess you know. I hit this Twitch grind and I'm like, say a word. People will subscribe to you for just being you. <laughs> I'm like, that's amazing. Like I think like uh we have like across Patreon and Twitch. There's like six people, seven maybe that subscribe with dollars and you know what to support the content <laughs> a lot of people don't know a lot of people don't know to, for youtube to, to start making money there's two requirements and shit you know what they are or no four thousand watch hours or minutes or whatever right? it is four thousand watch hours with the thousand followers right so like that we like like so when you listen to a song it's Two, three minutes, four minutes. It went away. Like a lot of things went away from four minutes, but it's sometimes for three, four minutes. So fucking, um, like if you're an artist and you're not accumulating a, like a nice amount of views that shows that you have some type of buzz, the hours are just not going to add up because your, your length's only this long compared to someone with a podcast with 30 minutes, potential minutes per click, Bro, per, a, per consumer click, right? Huge facts. You know what I'm saying? So like, YouTube's doing that to weed out the serious artists that really are going to make money on this platform or not, right? So it's like you have to put out 15 videos, getting 25K, and it'll add up to the right amount of watched hours in a year to get your – and that's Montreal. No one's really doing that. So no one's really making money in Montreal. No one – nobody – Almost nobody. I don't really know many. A few. There's maybe like 10, 15 English guys. Yeah, that's fair. I know like I got monetized on album reviews. It had nothing to do with music. But I also know that 500 views pays you like five bucks. So it's really shit. <laughs> I can tell you that much. Cause I, like that, and I got a good CPM too. Like I got like twelve or thirteen dollars on the CPM side, so that's like the high end of what you get per like click, and it's still like a dollar fifty for like a hundred views, maybe in a good day. It's it's like a good day. Like it's really like not sustainably good. So like when you see like eighty thousand, and you're like, nah, man, my Buster Rhymes album review, I got eight thousand twenty five dollars. So when I see eighty thousand, I go, what three hundred max? 400 maybe you get 500 if you're lucky like i'm just being realistic with numbers though so that's like a cool number but like yo if you can stack 100 people willing to give you five dollars a month that's a lot more money and a lot less like requirements it gets yo to me that's how the game is shifted that is the one thing i think is 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 like where i'm trying to get people on is the subscription model like your song you is no longer and if any any kind of sense and any kind of little fan base i'm not, not saying use your fans but if these people want to support you there's there's methods to make them support you in ways where you can make some money man there's no reason for you to just be stagnant not making anything right yo straight and up it's a lot of ways man you make could make a tape it two bucks two bucks to really? make the tape have it all ready to go slide your thing in Sell them for ten dollars. Five times your money. Get up. Make some money, man. Do something. Yo, but you can have like someone fucking 
check it see why you can open a patreon today and put for one dollar a month i'm gonna give you nothing you just fuck with me and then for five dollars a month if you don't have anything i'm gonna give you nothing stills you fuck with me more and collect money like what i'm saying is that there's a whole different ball game out here now where there's like different money where like yo this one guy pays me two dollars a month for like three years and I, i don't know who he is his name is Chris. He's just there. He's giving me two dollars a month religiously on my Patreon, and does not watch my content. That's like hundred dollars. That's like three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. I've made I I I made eight hundred dollars off of mostly subscriptions oh, and AdSense okay, okay. last year. Like this actually does add up. Like last year I made eight hundred dollars off of content. Is it music sales? No. Was it partly streams? Yes. But like altogether and. But it's you though. You. That's it. That's how I look at it. Whether I make a song or a podcast or an interview, if you fucks with the mission, you get on board, you can donate. And I don't even ask for money like that. Like, I really don't push that. That same outlook is the way I looked at it. Like, me being a promoter and me being their artist, regardless, I meet the person, right? So, like, he may have met me at a show, shake my hand, and he adds me on Facebook, but now he knows I'm a rapper and clicks my music, right? Same shit, you know? I definitely think it's cool, but what it also does is like, it unlocks the the world. So like, like Golden Jenny has subscribed to my Twitch for seven months, and she's in Norway. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 like, that's a next level game. I love it. I love it. So like, I'm just trying to get like. Honestly, I want people on Twitch because, like, then we can kind of share. Yo, plus, if people have Amazon Prime, it's like fucking free to give you two dollars and fifty cents. What do you mean? Say that. What do you mean? Say that again. So Amazon Prime has a system built in where if anybody that's your fan has Amazon Prime and you have a Twitch channel that's affiliate, they can subscribe for free once a month, so they can come to your channel. And they can throw in um, a sub for free. I did a, a hustle one day. I got 15 people to subscribe that one day. I, I don't have the time to do this. But that one day, I hustled hard and I got 15 people to come give me their prime fucking subscription. Somebody got their friend to come do it. And it's like, yo, say a word. In theory, some of you salespeople could probably do it. Because I'm not really salespeople. But some of you sales folk could really like crush that Amazon Prime fucking subscription hustle. Which, let me tell you something. Things that your people don't have to actually give you money for is even easier to sell. Right. That's nice and quick. That's nice and quick. And so, it's, but also it creates that accessibility where, like, when you guys do your Insta lives, when you're like, so you see the ring around the joint? <laughs> that kind of shit, man. Bro, my girlfriend found this dude smoking pot on Twitch. And he had like 50 people watching him just sit there smoke weed. And they were just like, bro, hit it again. And he just hit it again. And I'm like, am I in the wrong <laughs> fucking field? <laughs> like, is that the pivot? <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's a big... It's- it's huge man that's one thing i always said in life people of all ages could come <coughs> come together and relate to that one beautiful thing you know you guys can sit down and smoke that one thing and that's how you guys can relate right yeah all ages it's definitely been helpful but yo um with that like 
what are you up to these days so covid kicks in how does that like alter the cy existence because i know you started off the year was it 2020 or 2021 or it was 2021 you came in with like four videos strong but like what happened prior to that with covid is it like fuck up your plans does it shift shit around for you see like things were starting to get really good bro we did the, we did the la coca nostra show and then we did the dax show yeah and like things were starting things were starting to heat up, you know? Like, not only just heat up, like, opportunity-wise, but, like, behind the scenes, there's different things that, like, we were starting to, like, get out of the out of the scene. So, for example, like, someone would be like, oh, thank you, I'll open for uh, Joe Schmo. Thank you, man. Let's open, uh, let's, I'll open for a big artist. Let's say whoever, right? People are thankful for the opportunity. But, like... <clears throat> Me fucking, we started doing things where like demanding certain things because we were maybe doing more things than other openers were. Like, so like we would solidify a spot to go on before the open, uh, before the headline, for example. That's just one example. We would negotiate certain things behind the scenes that were starting to like get more beneficial. So for example, next show, I'm going to do the same thing right before the, the main guy. We all know how shows are. People get there late. You don't want to be the first opener. You could be at opening for a huge show that by the time Onyx goes on, there's 300 people in the building. But you were the first opener and there was legit 20 people there. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just the reality of the situation. Someone from the outside looking in sees your name on a flyer like, oh, you're doing big things. It's not really what it appears to be. Yo, let me so ask one question. Getting... Let me ask one question. If you do open to twenty people, do you get to go backstage and meet Onyx? That's what I'm trying to say. So, I've 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 opened for the most people in Montreal. Period. Nobody else. It's me. The most people. I can list them all. Great times. There was a lot of times where I was starting out and looking back, I was at the beginning stages of doing open big opening shows and I didn't meet the opener. And there was times where like promoters showed me crazy love. Drinks were free all night. Right next to Demrick smoking 420, sharing splits and with Onyx backstage. Like, you know, you meet, like, yeah, you meet some sometimes and sometimes you don't, you know? So like, yeah, like after, that's what I'm saying. So after a while, me, I, me, I, I, I was, I, I've been good with the promoters and good with the Belmont for so long that like I can go backstage. I just have to, if, if, it's like there is shows where they're trying not to have people backstage because maybe the artist doesn't want it. Right. I can, I can possibly get backstage still, even if it's like that. Like, so it was getting good with different promoters at the time Then COVID hit and it was like, fuck, man. you know, Yo, how, what would be like the best advice you could give people on how to deal with this shit? Cause yo, I could tell you up sure. until recently, I mismanaged most opportunities in my life, right? Like just bad attitudes, talking shit, maybe lots of different things where I wasn't thinking about how to create the most of an opportunity. So you open for a show like that. Maybe you don't get to meet the opener. Maybe you are the one putting on for 20 people. What do you do in that moment to make the most of that opportunity? Uh, I, I'll tell you one. Because I opened for OB Trice maybe like four or five times, different cities, different times, different years. And one time they, they made me go first. 
and there was like 30 people and I wasn't happy and whatever we we did it but like I kind of made it known that like yo we're out here in Ottawa and like we're not really happy like no he I'm a, I was a promoter no one wants to go first he put me up for but like then like he's putting me upstairs Obi Trice is right there with his big mink fur coat. There's other openers not upstairs. They're downstairs. They're not up there. Like, you know, he's buying us shots. He's uh, giving us discounts on different things, you know? So, like, it's – if you have to go first, it's better than nothing. But, like, I would recommend not. It's kind of almost pointless. I've seen Urban Logic, who's, like, Montreal legend throughout the years – such a good lyricist, different things, humble guy, everything, and just be at a show, and it's like, there's 25 people, him kill it, and just there's not really much going on, you know? Like, there's no one in the building yet. A lot of people, they come for the headliners at the end, man. It sucks, but you also try and take advantage and try and be that so, opener. So how do we, okay, so my main thing now is, how do we make people not just come for the headliner and to actually come for us? It's too tough because these slots you could just buy them, right? So when you could buy these slots for a certain amount of tickets and then, then, then you could be just a trash artist with money getting on there. So like usually that's the case a lot. So no one wants to come for that bullshit. You know what I mean? So like when we went on for the Dax show, that house was packed. They were yelling Dax. They wanted Dax on right after like, like yeah, it was just. No, I was, was at like, the Dax show. Cool. That one was no, very like fair. Showing, they, were, they were showing me a lot of like, and like, that just goes to show. Was, when we went on, that was like maybe like an hour and twenty minutes after the first guy went on, right? So it's always an advantage to go on closer to the to the headliner, obviously, right? Someone could be there ready for Onyx, and you're going on, right? That's fair. <clears throat> I don't know if I'd want to open for Onyx. I'm not going to lie. I don't think my music works well, and the Onyx crowd would look at me like, what the fuck are you doing here, my guy? And I'd be like, no, you know, fair you know, enough. Bro, let, me, let me say this to you about that. I've got the best reactions when I thought I wouldn't get anything. Okay. So like, the, the best reaction I've ever got, I was in I was in Ottawa. I did the whole, I, I said something, the crowd reacted, I felt a wave through my body where I went, whoa, it's going to be one of those nights. I said that in my head. It's going to be one of those nights. It's going to be killer right now. You know what I mean? And, like, the, the crowd was just eating out of my hand, bro. But to be fair and not to big myself up, they were eating out of every opener's ha hand. Even if they weren't as good, they would get a little less, but they were still always showing love. It was a nice crowd. A lot of crowds, if you shit, if you shit the bed, you can get nothing, bro. You can get, get nothing, man. So like, you gotta have a strong team when you go up there. I could say that. That could be. A, you gotta have a definitely a strong team. Definitely a good. If you can better than a strong team, if you can find a good sidekick. Because I had a few. I had a few. Like me and King Misery together. That's some dangerous. That's some dangerous fire performance holes. Yeah. That's two of the most seasoned Montreal Northwest way, you know? And, like, so, like, yeah, just have a good team, man. It's good to have a good team. That's big and important. 
So, like, I guess with that, what led to you? What are you up to, like, these days? Because you did the first four videos, and then I know you just dropped another one. So, like, what what are your, like, plans over the next while? Like, how do you plan on navigating this situation uh, moving forward? I'm just trying to keep running up the numbers, running up the streams, running up the views, everything. And you know what it is, bro, is I recommend this as well, bro. As uh, as what I'm trying to do right now is what I would recommend a lot of people to do. And it's to set realistic goals for yourself. Everybody, if you think you're going to get in the game and you're from Montreal, Quebec, and you think you're just going to have a big hit and you're going to be someone... You're in the wrong city. Go to Toronto or go to fucking New York whenever the borders open. Don't try that shit around here. It's never happened. Don't be the guy that wants to run on the basketball court and say, the last 90 fucking 100 guys missed a shot. I'm going to drain this shit because you're not. You're going to shoot an air ball like everybody else has. And I know that's a bad negative outlook to have, but it's just what it no, is. So I, I realistic. Bro, I'm actually 100% with you. Realistic goals. I think like. Set, real, set realistic goals. And enjoy which enjoy the perks of being an artist. I'm I set realistic goals to the point where I said I'm okay with being Montreal popular. I am I officially am one of the more popular artists from Montreal, and I love it. I, I people see me in person, they see why. What up, dude? Pulled up on his car around the parking lot. He's like, yo, I just have to see you in person. People see me all the time, and I love it. And I'm cool with being a little bit of popular. I'm cool with streaming five digit numbers on my videos and people are always watching and 50s and a bunch of comments I'm, I'm happy with being a mid-level artist and setting realistic goals so that when you do reach goals you know like you feel like you feel nice on how you when you reach your goal and most artists in montreal when they when they didn't reach their goal no matter who they were on top five years ago i don't want to say no names they just stopped and they said this was it and then nothing happened for you because you set your goals so high set realistic goals over here right yeah i'm really enjoy the free i enjoy the free drinks i enjoy the free the blunts i enjoy the hospitality people give me i enjoy the love and that's that, that's enough for me personally i guess yeah i really like what you said still is um i call it middle class rap i don't know how else to put it like there's the lower end when you come into it right that's what it is and then there's the fancy end where it feels like a lot of people want to be but there's no middle tier industry to support that like if you go look at in atlanta or one of these cities right like there's like a whole flow of money that ranges from every tier of popularity from like the guy who just comes in and he's like the first paid gig he gets at like whatever to do an open mic or nothing all the way up to like the man's who's like famous and in the middle there's like guys who just kind of played his middle class role who are just there for like part of the local culture and the scene and i think like over time that isn't there like i know myself i came in with that attitude of i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna go change the world bleep 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 but then it's like yo come the fuck on there's like 20 year olds out there now you know like there are 20 year olds running around that have oh, twice as much this is a young yeah. man's game bro trust me so it's like if i want to rap i can still have a career i think it's even viable for me to find a way to make a hundo off of this shit still like that's not impossible but like that sounds blessed if i could get a hundo clean to just one day make content in five years let's say bro that sounds like the best job in my life i'll ever have to just do this but get paid to do this
Like, that's all I care about. Like, I don't give a shit about being a celebrity, about being famous, fame. In fact, I don't know if I want to be famous, famous anymore. I want to be like, if you know me, that's cool, famous. Because that would be like, cool, you know? Like, yeah, I would love to have like high numbers, but like, yo, all of a sudden this year, a lot of people started paying attention to me in ways. And I, I started realizing the consequences of like, you can't say everything on your mind anymore. And everything that you say to people, they remember. And if you happen to say some negative things here and there because you're feeling away, those things stick with people. And then there's consequences to your words. And all of a sudden, it's like there's a little bit of like a cage that goes on you because now there's more consequences because it isn't like nobody's going to see what the fuck you're saying and nobody gives a shit what you're thinking. Right. And that can get jacked up and that like honestly freaked me out a bit this year i had to learn a lot about keeping my mouth shut and learning to like not listen to what people say and like process life so i can only imagine that like with the amount of people you've met that it must be a complicated journey just to like figure out how to maneuver and just just maintain <laughs> let alone just worrying about like all the next level shit i i forget people all the time uh, and uh, like it's it's i hate to i hate doing it bro i just do it like like i just like don't remember people and like sometimes you don't know how, how much someone else maybe like looks at that interaction with you right and the guy's like what do you mean bro we had drinks all night and i'm like i don't even remember that game bro i don't like you know it's like yeah weed man that's the only downfall of time Otherwise, yeah. For me, I just I'm I. I don't drink. I feel like the drinking is what fucks up my memory. <clears throat> all the nights yeah, I, I drank, can't really fucking yo. That's all of my worst moments was drinking outside. That's when I talked the most shit. Yo, I remember being like drunk, <laughs> and like it's 2012, <laughs> and I walked up to Buds and said the dumbest shit I could ever say to Buds in my life, and I don't think he ever looked at me right. I don't like to this day. If Buds does not fully, like, trust me, trust me, I deserve it on the level of shit I was talking in that moment to him, not knowing who he was and the vibe of the situation, <laughs> being very drunk. And I just came out of nowhere, and nobody knew who the fuck I was. I didn't know who anybody was. Bro, my whole career <laughs> is just that until, like, you know, I started realizing it. And then, like, life moves on, and then people are just all, yo, there's, like, a gossip problem, too. I don't know how else to put it, but I got sucked into that also. And it's like, next thing you know, you're like feeling opinions about people. And you're like, I don't even know if I've talked to this person in years. Why do I have opinions about this person? You know, like, what am I doing here? Who, who Just because these people feel the way? I'm, you know, like, there's like a gossip situation I've noticed, especially like the more I talk to people. And it's weird. It's just a weird vibe. And I don't know. that. I don't know. I got sucked into it. And now I'm just sitting there going, nah. It's just like every we just gotta find all this dope love shit. I know it's corny, but that's where I'm on right now. Find reasons to celebrate people's successes so that like at least that mid tier fucking part of the scene looks good, right? Like so check it. If like Debbie from accounting is on Facebook and all Montreal hip hop looks like is a bunch of people talking shit about a bunch of people, do you think Debbie from Accounting's ever gonna come to the show? But, like, if it's just all love, Debbie might be, like, down. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just fiscally, it seems like a smarter choice. So, um, I don't know.
Like that, it's just kind of running out so, with it now. The scene is so small out here too. What I mean by the scene is so small is like, like, like there's people that like, who like I would look at as part of the scene, who like are like they go to like like for example like uh, Jeff is performing. Jeff always comes with Joe <coughs> and Bob. You know what I mean? Bob doesn't rap, but he's at every one of his friend Jeff's shows. He's part of the scene, right? There's not a lot of people, bro. When people come to shows, they're supporting their friend Jacob, and uh, they don't go to any other shows. They're not interested in any other opener. They pat their friend on the back. They buy him a drink, and then, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, there's not people that are in the scene, like, oh, yeah. Like, like you, you meet everybody so fast. And like there, you do continue to meet people, but like it's such a small pond of people to meet, man. Even in such a big city, like English is so small, man. The yo, English population is so population. Yo, let's talk numbers for the interest. The interest is not there, but the population is there, and that's not something I, did. I never thought about till mad recent. I got like into local politics, <laughs> and I live in NDG, right? So NDG Cotonej, and then actually LaSalle would be the other option. So collectively between our two boroughs, that's like, I think you're in LaSalle. I mean, you might not be, I don't know. Let's say the LaSalle area was next by, I just think, sorry? Fair. Um, so it's like between our two boroughs, it's like 350,000 people or so, which is bigger than most places with popping music scenes. So there's a population and there's like opportunity and I never thought about it like that, but like, how do you just tap into a percentage of that? If we can get any kind of percentage of local interest, man. And then, so we did this weird, we did this thing where we wrapped at fucking Cosmos last Sunday or two Sundays ago, like the breakfast joint yeah. on Sherbrooke. And all we just did was not swear. That was the only real condition. And we just did our tracks. And yo, the grandmas was down, bro. I'd never seen this before. The grandmas would be walking by giving you like approving head nods and shit. And I'm like, say fucking word, bro. So I'm like, that's why I'm on this park grind now. We're literally caught, uh, renting an amp from this fucking place that you plug a mic in. It's got Bluetooth for the beats and you're good to go because it's battery powered. So you can run into like any park in the city and just start doing bootleg shows in the park. Cause like, but you know what? I, I, I remember shooting videos. Let's say, for example, I remember doing a video at metro inside the metro like and like people just walk by loads of people from metros and they're just looking at you film that lino grew they're just looking at you you know it's just a good feeling to be just to be looked at you know just to be like acknowledged like you know like like especially right now bro like right now like no one's going it's starting up now obviously but like for the longest time with covid bro Performance has been on pause, bro. It's, it's just bro, like I used to get love. What I'm getting at is, I, I used to get love every week, bro. When my girl and my kids and people are recognizing me twice in one day, two different people, two different neighborhoods. Like, I'm, like it feels good. Like, you know, I'm not gonna act like I get recognized every day. I, I get recognized like a bunch of times in my life, you know. Like, and like it just feels good to interact with people. It feels good to be appreciated for what you do, and like. Man, it's been on pause, man. I like people I used to go out to bars, limos, parties, studios. Everything's on. Everything was on pause for so long. So any kind of 
uh, uh, any kind of I would have just I would I would have did the same thing, man. That sounds like that sounds like cool. That sounds like you just, like you said, just amp, line it all up and just make something out of nothing, you know? Why not? Yo, bro, on the real reels, that amp shit, forty two dollars a month, plus tax or whatever. I'm like, say a word, forty to get the amp thing. That's how cheap it is to rent it from these fucking people. And like for me, I already got the performing mic, so you just need that. And I'm like, say a word. That is a very affordable way to throw a bootleg. Yo, to be fair though, this looks like relatively new tech. It looks like, oh, you guys don't want mixers and complicated setups. Let's simplify it so you can go rap in the park with a battery powered amp. And I'm like wow so i went to this comedy show that the comics started this shit so shout out to the ndg comics the zach kick guy and they did a show and we're there and uh, they're playing beats and then he's talking over the beats and i'm like what the fuck he's playing beats and he's talking over it that sounds like exactly what the fuck set up you don't even need two mics you can be bootleg with one mic on this shit i don't have a second mic right now but like that's it. We're going to run it one mic. Uh, like, we're going to do like our first real test run proper because Meyer Clarity is supposed to be in town. So, like, this Sunday at 6 to 10 at Girard Park, we want to run that. Run it. Like, see what the fuck happens. You know, like, like, and then, but then we run it over and over again, right? Like, because it's a park. And even if nobody comes to your fucking park show, you film it. I'm going to go live every single time. And then you know yeah, well, why, why don't you invite 20 artists well now i'm gonna well you can't go too big it has to be relevant because you can't you go too big and the cops come and it's... <laughs> no i talked to the city councilor and shit so it's not like a real amount of people it's about a, it's it's the level of rowdiness so let's say if you get like a hundred people there and everybody behaves because yo i was just at a birthday party at girard park where it was like 50 75 people drinking smoking with kids around and shit so i'm like Okay, and it was right next to the kids park and now it wasn't my party, but I just happened to be there So evidently the adults is like a little more tolerant than they were prior to COVID But then I'm like, okay So as long as we don't swear that is the only really big thing because if y'all lay like, you know busted Right, that's the only thing that because I talked to the politician dude and he's like, yeah, not swearing is going to do a lot to help you with the community because it's now about the community. So if you become known as like a positive force of hip hop in the community and you do like blessed shows and shit like that, and it gives people something to do on a Sunday <clears throat> for like four hours to just come by and then they're going to want to keep, they're, they're gonna keep letting you. But then I feel like we go to the venues after and now all these people who got used to seeing you gotta now come to the show that's my moves i i don't know a better way to do it but the main benefit to me is yo and then you guys are by the waters and you have so many places in the south to replicate the model right then you run it there right. we run it here we do crossovers blue blue blap and we start and then the next people are trying to get meticulous to run this shit in the west i'm like yo so we just kind of keep to me that's how we do it and then people see us all over as anglo artists just being dope in our various places so that people can walk by and just like see it and then like grandmas and shit will give approving head nods or not some of them did <laughs> not give some of them gave me but mo <laughs> yo it was like 75 percent positive because yo we did this thing we started freestyling so i'm like rapping at people in cars and shit rapping at people walking by like yo what's up grandma walking by you looking fly? and she's giving me like either the approving head nod or this crowd you know this scrunched up face but like 
I don't know. I'm mad optimistic about it because I think like if we make it really like that, then like the people of it, of your of NDG or wherever you're at can like see you doing it, and it's not like it's you're actually inspired by Facebook groups because Facebook groups don't work no more the way they used to. So it's kind of like imagine this is like being a constant post in a Facebook group but in real life and then instead of like Facebook people you're trying to get real life people to pay attention yeah that's kind of like where I'm at I just get excited we just plot you know, bro I came up with the idea like we ran it like it was like a four days ago to like now kind of total plan <laughs> but, um, yo fucking who's your favorite who's your favorite artist you curious like 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 right, right now like, uh, like not your favorite artist I'm not gonna ask you that like, who, like, who, who did you listen to today? Uh, I didn't actually... Oh, that's not true. I listened to this dude whose name I can't remember. I know his Facebook name, so I don't want to put it out, but this guy, whatever, sent me his track. Um, and I listened to CY. Honestly, here's what happened to me. I listened to a lot less music than I used to because I listened to music for every single interview like that. So it's like the day of almost becomes the artist of... <clears throat> So favorites get weirder, but I can say that I like listening to Cool Man Logan more than I like listening to a lot of other people. <clears throat> Honestly, I can say that I listen to more Montreal hip hop than I listen to pop hip hop at this point because I'm more invested in the sound of our city. I made this giant playlist and I just started listening to a lot. So favorites is hard. I know I fucks with Serenity a lot, a lot. Like she's definitely one of my favorites in the city. I seen her live. I heard her music is beautiful. I say Flip Stars. Flip Star makes some of the best albums the city has seen. From like an album composition point of view, like Flip Star is fantastic at what he does. Um, so like these people I yeah, really, really fucks with as like artists and stuff. But like honestly, there's even the young ones that are coming through like. This guy drew from NSL Collective because that's his fucking drew from NSL Collective because they have a collective. Anyway, put together this project of like 17 young Montreal people that none of us have really heard of because they're all on the West Island and they're all fucking young. And uh, I started tapping into the young people game. So this Talia girl is fucking incredible. She's the one doing the podcast with Tech Luciano. But I've been on her for like a minute from like her music because I heard it and I'm like, oh, say words. You got something. You, you could be like something. And then this kid, Hoshe. So it's like him. He's like, fuck me, man. You know when you hear a rapper that's like, no, I'm never going to be a star because he's just everything I could do but younger and more ambitious because <laughs> he's 20. 20. And he's just honestly like bar for bar could owe me in like any real contest because he's just been putting in work as long as I have because he was just 12 when he started. And I'm like, oh, say a word. That's a good age, bro. I didn't like start start like that. I only took it seriously way later in life. So it's like I'm starting to meet people all over. And then I got into some like fucking mumble raps as they would call it because I don't really think it's mumbling. I got into all the kinds of stuff I used to hate on too, right? So like I'm listening to everything. Like I'm with like Chrome. Drake is one of the best out there in terms of pop artists right now. I can't help it. I think he's like one of my favorite bars. I got fake friends showing fake love to me. Drake's Drake is a uh, uh, Drake was my favorite artist for a good three years straight. 
like maybe like five years ago. But even like the work has continued. Don't get me wrong. It's just like I was a super fan like five years ago. Like when he did the whole like miss me a little when I'm gone, like all them times, like with the Lil Wayne and all that. Like yeah. I, I was, I really like Drake. Like he was killing it. I got into him a bit later. That double album impressed the shit out of me. Misery does some of the best hooks I've ever heard. Not just in the city. Just that guy's hook game is literally like the precision in his flow the subtleties in what he does i even like there's one of these tracks you have with him where he's young young and he's spitting some shit and i'm like yo there's like nothing on his voice that's just raw fucking vocals and it's like younger and shit and it's like un i was like okay he's um definitely one of the dudes that i think has some of the best ability to put together a song like in terms of like putting together a song he he really when he when he writes when he writes on top of his like ability like you said to put the whole song together yeah he's dangerous bro so Very like, dangerous. the other side of it is like <clears throat> i learned a lot so like texas has a new connotation in my life of what it like fully kind of implies a lot of things that didn't exist in my life so like i'm like running into the music scene from an ignorant perspective too because like there's allegedly more than one side of montreal which i was not fully fully aware of being in the side of montreal i come from so like at first i approached a lot of that kind of life with a little more judgment than i should have and then i had to like pull it back and understand that a lot of people's experiences don't match mine and then just listen to it at like its musical merit you know like what is the song like is it a good track you know like why do i who am i to like talk about the content of a man's bars like that like who the fuck am i really i'm not an album reviewer no more i'm an interviewer guy like i had to like you know like evolve my person into like a completely different dude so it was like i was listening to him today and i'm like yo this guy is like precise like precise precise and it's really impressive bro really and he's young man he has nothing but time to grow too um i think mike shab is one to watch absolutely one of my favorites to be honest i fucks with every mike every time i see mike trap drop i'm like fucking clicking almost right away to be honest with you um and yeah i don't know uh, I, I don't know i just i like his i like his song i, I don't i think i think that i like i like lyricism right like i like jane kiss styles p i like i, I like that, right so like there's guys like in montreal like that like like there's guys that are like are making a, a nice very big name for themselves off sound right which is great that's so that's the new wave why would you not take advantage of if you could do that right pull it off right so it's everybody grinding but like for me as a consumer i, I want to hear bars i want to hear not just bars anymore because the chain like i like there's guys like you know who king k is king klv um, I'm probably heard the name. I've probably heard a thing or two, but it's not yet. He's like he's 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 like a fusion of like the new wave, but he's rhyming like he's rapping back in like twelve years ago with like all those right triple contagions mm. and all that, you know, like and like that's why to me like he's one of the the nicest out right now. Like like nothing against Mike Shaver or anything, but like. Like, I, like it's it's too each their own. I I just think he mumbles a lot. I think he like 
I like it I don't a even lot. Know. I don't know how to I tried to give them, I tried to give them, like, but then again, like, who the fuck am I to say anything, you know? He has so many people listening Yo, to he him. Does that, that, like, something right, right? He does that, like, rushed early drill flow, like, really nice. And I really like the way he uses his voice as an instrument a lot. Yo, but there's also, like, dudes like the Ape Mob folk. And I got to give love to Travis Bryant, who I think artistically, Travis Bryant understands his brand better than almost anybody in the city right now. I don't think there's a person out there that better understands what the fuck he's doing right now than Travis Bryant with everything he's putting out consistently, smashing this, like, world. Yeah, and he, and he, he could write, too, you know? Oh, like, fuck you know, yeah. I still, I still, I still, like, I, I'm just like, not trying to sound like an old fart, bro. It's just like, man, like, I just hate how rapping has become, not even rapping, I just hate how being an artist has become, like, such a lack of what you're saying. And it's like been, it's been like this for a while. But I just hate it. Like, you know, like, I think it's like a lot of guys are like, sorry, huh? I mean, I just see the tide shifting, though. Like, I mean, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. It's just, it sucks. I, I'm, I guess I'm old right now. But. Well, I mean, I would say the only thing that's old is that, like, yo, some shit happened in 2020 where all of a sudden, like, lyrics mattered. Kids was debating buyers, battle raps. Yo, right now, Papoose is battling Tory Lanez. Fucking Mickey Fax, Royce the Five Nine, Lupe battling. Yo, it's just like, like, that's where hip hop seems to be going right now. It's very fascinating. Bars, like we're talking like five, seven minute bars tracks. Are the battle rappers? Do you only watch your? Do you only watch KOT or you watch your own some too? Sometimes. I, my history with battle rap is I got forced into, into forced in a pleasant way into interviewing battle rappers. So I went from like I watched Bodied and I kind of understood the culture a little bit. Didn't watch anything. Then Iron Solomon. Next, 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 next. So I, I've like got these snapshots, but of from everything from url to kotd to like even the the newer leagues the fucking so like it's like a fragment of all of battle rap okay is iron solomon not a better writer than almost every rapper that ever recorded music yeah, that's that, a big statement it's a big statement but okay because i've also such heard... a great writer though like he's amazing he is God but like there's okay so like battle rap is like a martial arts thing right this is where like your pen game matters in a way where it's like the most ridiculously important part of it right and so that's where like you take a chrome who like on his last glock party podcast is like if you can't write better than me i don't give a fuck what your opinion is and i thought about it and his pen game is ridiculous because i've been listening to the bars that he drops and those little freestyle things he does or the little verses that are doing the promo of their album and it's like okay no he's got a really good pen game but then it's like when you get yeah, to songland, like songs and shit it's like a different thing where um I don't know the weirdest shit hits man i went lose weight motherfucker lose weight get in shape motherfucker fucker great <laughs> you know like i just said that and it was <laughs> but like the concept of the song is really like yo bro don't sit there and fucking whine about how she don't want to fuck you get in shape you know like and then i bring it even further to like the if i don't get in shape i can't rap properly and i'm gonna die in the third verse because i take it even now one step further 
So it's like, it doesn't have to be like bars for days. I think it has to be concepts for days. And as long as you can keep coming up with concepts for songs, people can fuck with your songs. But like, cause That's yo, true. That's true. I have some of the worst pen game as far as you guys would consider bars in that sense of like puns and wordplay. I've got some of the worst bars in the city, my dude. Yet I can write a mean song. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Everyone shines in different ways and has better qualities than others. Definitely. Like I couldn't battle rap. I realized that. I'm like I don't know that I have the patience to write the layered Maltese and like I just never developed that skill set. And I admire it so much. So it's like as a spectator and the great writings there. But then when you get to songs, it's like, bro, you're going against the world. Every song I've ever heard in my head. Whereas in battle rap, it's more like the moment. And so it becomes more like a martial artist in a bout. I see exactly what you're saying, for sure. And I guess that's where I'm at with that shit. Like, I ain't ever going to try to be the best pen game in Montreal. Like, it's never going to happen. But I could maybe get fans. And that's all I care about. You know, just finding people to fuck with the wave where I literally though, I started calling my shit the alt southwest. Cause y'all are the southwest and we're in the southwest and we're the other dudes in the southwest. So I'm like, yo, what's double down on that? We're the alt southwest. Cause I'm as alternative to that other vibe as you can get. <laughs> but there's a lot of us in the southwest, bro. There's at least like Fifteen to twenty people I know of on my side of the fence in the southwest right now, and it's like, yo, there's a lot of us here, and we could easily develop this wave that would force Montreal to invest tourism dollars into our boroughs just to fund our shows. That's my like fourth five year plan right now. Yeah, it's not gonna be simple basically we all have to go play nice together in public we can say whatever in private we all got to be nice in public <laughs> that's the basic one thing i can say is that we all have to like do um we did get a question that i missed i don't know when it came in who would be uh one of your favorite rappers or artists in general before the 2000 era before the 2000 era yeah um. Yes, such a cliche answer, but I guess like, I guess Biggie or Pac, one or the other. It's a fair answer. Pick, pick your poison, I guess. Yeah. I like that like Tupac has a little bit more to, to look at than Biggie, but they're just both so legendary and both so in that time, you know? But, uh, me, I was more a little later, I guess, where like I could like really like indulge on what I like. For example, my top five uh, albums. You say albums, right? Like, like what would I go? Like, what do I remember? Like this, like I have a few answers. Like, you know, like it's, like I remember. So I'll go like uh, you say. Remember when G Unit? They put out fucking Young Buck, Welcome to Casio. Lloyd Banks, Hunger for More. The Game, The Documentary. Everyone had a nice album, 50 to Massacre. Everyone had a powerful album with a proper push, etc. Like, uh, 
So like, I I liked a lot of different albums. Maybe like I would put the Game the Documentary as one, Thug Motivation 101 by Young Jeezy, What the Game's Been Missing by Joel Santana. Um, those three, man. I listened to those a lot as a, as a teenager. Bro, that's so different. I had like Nelly and Eminem. I'm in, I'm in them as well, though. Don't get me wrong. I'm in them as well. All of it. All of it. I don't know. It's just like, speaking of Eminem, I can't, I have to say this, man. I'm like, I can't help but look back and say that, like, the stuff I liked when I was 13 from Eminem is so cringe right now. Yeah. And, like, it was so immature, but he was so legendary. Like, it's so weird. Like, like jump, boing, 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 piggy bang, clickety clank, smack that on the floor. Like what the? Fuck? <laughs> like, they're so weird, bro. They're bangers and shit, but like, yeah, you know, like a lot of weird songs, bro. Like no. I like Eminem the most when he was at his mainstream point when he was like. Him and Lil Wayne, no love. Him and Rihanna, mm. whatever that's called, love the way you lie. Like I like those when he became like a full blown artist. Artist looking at my peak. That's when I actually liked him the most. I love old songs though, like there's classic old Eminem songs that live forever for me. You know? But like a lot of them were fucking weird. They're not the weird ones. Like they're not no, the weird I ones. Like, I, I I don't listen to him that much anymore. I just like I find no, his. I never like his new, I don't know, because they like his last album. He whined, and I'm like, bro, you're worth nine figures. I just, I have a problem with people that rich complaining <laughs> that much. And once you do that, I can't listen to you the same again. Now, it, all he has to do, and you know, what, I've been criticized for this, and this is just my preference. Let him do what he wants to do. He's an old man that can go ahead and do what he wants. He's given so much to everybody. And he's such a great dude. And he does so much behind the scenes that's wonderful. I just, I don't know, man. I'd rather go listen to Cool Man Logan. <laughs> I know it gets crazy to think, but like, I don't no, know. I support him all day, bro. I'd be, be showing my dudes, all kinds of people from Montreal. And my dude, my dude tells me, like, you know, it's like he knows I'm putting on a Montreal guy. Or like, like, we started this like cypher because I see little Alice just showed up. And like, yo, the cypher, like, bro, now it's like every Tuesday, I got like Vincent Price spinning Montreal only beats from like 18, 19 producers right now. Like, and it's like a bunch of rappers just freestyling all day. It's like after a while, you're like, yo, I kind of like my city a lot, you know? And yeah, I like to listen to who things, but I don't think I finished the Nas album. Like, I just. I just didn't have the desire. I'll get to it, but I didn't have the desire right now because, you know, like this interview grind is so cool and like making music is more fun. I think <laughs> right now I'm making music, you know, like I'm doing a lot. So it's like, I don't know. I'd rather just listen to my friends and what they're up to as much as I can. You know, like I try to click on all of your tracks when y'all send me shit to the best of my there's ability. Only 20, there's only 24 hours in a day is what I said, bro. That's it. Yeah. Uh, we all got lives and shit. It's only 24 hours in a day, you know? And, um, but like, with that, it's like, I just, I got obsessed maybe with Montreal. Like, it's a bit of an obsession at this point. And like, I want to document everybody. 
Like, if I can know all the rappers in the city, I would be happy. I would accept not knowing every 15-year-old uploading his first track. That's okay for me. But if I could get that, I'd be even happier. If I could find a way to just know it all and then have it in a database and then we could all just, like, revel in our city, like, that's the blessest thing for me. Then, like, we would like it. And if we like it, other people will like it. That's, like, how my head's out of it. That's why I fucking try to big up as much. And I didn't big up Montreal for years, dude. I never even said Montreal ever ever until like 2018 when i realized i hadn't said montreal at all <clears throat> and i'm like oh say word i never really bigged up my city or maybe it was even later uh, and so like, better late than never. so uh, now i'm at this point where it's like let's do it let's big up the city as much as we can but i know that that's all i can do now is is you know try to talk to y'all and and i like the fact that you even asked me about that shit. that's cool but who are, who are your favorite people in the city yeah, uh, like you mean like who do I think is the most skilled artist type of vibe or like, like nah on a non-competitive front like who do you just enjoy listening to on some you just happen to fuck with it the most on some like there's no good rhyme or reason for it. <laughs> okay, shout out King K. Shout out Stack Doe, Stacky Robinson. Misery, Nova Loke, Boye, Montana, all Southwest. Um, um, I'm gonna name a couple. There's, there's a few. Shout out my dude LS from the South. There's a, there's a few, like you know, there's a few guys I'll, I'll listen to, but uh, Lopez he makes good music as well. Um, this is a lot of talent, but I'll say definitely off rip King K, Stacky, Misery. I told Chrome forever, man, if he should make more music because, like, the writing patterns are so crazy that, like, he would do some real damage, I think, if he maybe put more time on it. I think he, he is, though. They're, um, Feezy and them are, are working on a project, if I'm not mistaken. They started the podcast and have been talking about it. Um, yo, I just want to give love to Deuce I can't forget Deuce because otherwise I'd be really, like, sad after if I didn't bring up his name amongst all the others. Because I know he's, like, so sure, but I think his personality might be my favorite personality I've encountered in the whole local scene. Is that Deuce, Deuce God? Yeah, man. He, he, I don't know how to describe it. He like a, he fucks around with that like dirty 1993 Deep South fucking sound. And I really fuck with that sound too at this point in my life. And I find his music to be this grimy punk aesthetic that like is just fun. It feels like you're at a party when you listen to a Deuce God vibe. He's done shit with Vincent Price, which I thought was really cool too. And like, in general, like, I just love his energy. I like his music. He does the South Shore a lot of love. Like, he's just so about the culture. And uh, I think we need more Deuce Gods. Like, I would say, like, people should bring up Deuce Gods' names more for the amount that he tries to put on for, like, everybody that he knows. He just tries to put on for fucking everybody. 
Like, let me give you, let me give you another one, bro. The top three engineers. Skybeats, Cali, Buds, make make way. Those three cannot go wrong. Skybeats, Cali, make way. Yeah, that's big facts. Yo, shout out Hugo Roberge from Makeway for his design skills. Cause you that bridge the gap logo. That's Hugo. So like that's why I said Makeway, not just buds. Right. Hugo, I, I did a lot of sessions with Hugo, maybe like five, six sessions with Hugo over the years. He made a lot of nice music that I that I got good reactions to, you know. He's a good engineer as well, for sure. Definitely a really good graphic designer. I see a lot of artwork he's done. Yeah, he's I did. Really good had to shut them out like that that logo one of the best things i ever got in my life like it's like you know like sometimes you get a logo and you look at it years later and you're like yeah yeah i don't feel that, that from way him and you're not gonna, you're not gonna question it years later it's professional work forever yeah and it like you just dream of looking at it on merch and shit like it's a good it's a good look um that's dope what's your favorite place to perform I love the Belmont. The Belmont, like, it's wild. like I would rather like there's other there's other good places too with the Belmont. So, uh, yeah, it's so, like it's comfy. You know, I'm probably like thirty. I'm probably like thirty shows into the Belmont. Yeah, it's wild. Belmont's a good vibe. Probably, probably, more, probably more. No, more than that. Like at least fifty. At least. Oh fuck! At least. At least. Yeah, that is definitely a fair claim to say your season. Like, I did a lot of rinky-dink shows and shit that wasn't whatever. I can't say, like, like I mean, I got a lot of I got a lot of performances, but not, like, 50 at Belmont level. Because, yo, Belmont's, like, a, a vibe, right? Like, Belmont's a different vibe than, like, Crowbar. A Crowbar performance in it, like, right. like, to me, they're, like, if you look at it like a video game, a Crowbar experience is, like, 50 experience points, and a Belmont's, like, 250 experience points. You know, like, so you the get... The only thing is that, like, Crowbar... You know, Crowbar, Crowbar can get really litty, bro. With, with, like, oh, facts. With, like... Right, I, like... That Crowbar... I've, I've done, like... I've done, like, 100 people at Crowbar, but it made it feel like there was, like, 150 people all over, upstairs, downstairs, outside... 30 people outside the ven the venue still packed like you know i like that spot that spot and blue dog over the years like they did a, they gave opportunities to a lot of a lot of rappers a lot of rap shows like for real i've literally never been to blue dog i mean it's just worked out that there was never a time that there was a blue dog show with somebody i knew that i was able to go and i just never went one time which is probably wild to think about but um Yo, did you ever do any of the super underground shit like a death house? Bro. That shit was... It? Yo, it was like... Fuck me. Near Place Henri, but like deep near the train tracks and like the Fatal Lofts. It's at the Fatal Lofts. <clears throat> and so like you would yeah, go yeah. by the train tracks. And all I can say, bro, is it would be like 70 people there making it feel like 100. But you could smoke weed inside. And nobody left the room. It's like the spot with the with the pool table on the second floor. Not, uh, I don't even remember. Think so. I don't know. 
I don't think there was. I don't remember that pool table. This was like a grimy little fucking punk venue fucking place that I ended up rapping yeah. at. I shot my video there with me and Misery, the cold video. I shot it right there, actually. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that, those, I like that. Like, those spots right there, you won't even think what's hitting those little spots, those little... Yo, but people remember good. you from that. Yo, I was at the park, and this girl's like, yeah, no, I met you at that show, and I watched you rap and shit, and we drank, and I'm like, cool. <laughs> you know, like... Like people remember the little ones, and I'm like, like I don't know, man, because like, I I'm into that shit. I, my favorite shows were places where I could go and like honestly smoke weed inside. Those were always the best experience I had. Whether it was raves in those abandoned like fucking warehouses, or like private party events where like you could just burn inside or whatever, and there was a mic. Anything like that was to me because nobody goes outside to smoke a joint. At least you don't want to. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, like that, that's why, like, fuck, man, that's why, like, certain shows, like, one, like, 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 fuck, dude, like, depending which venue and shit, like, like, I think it was, uh, oh, who was it? It was, the, we opened for Demrick on a 420 show. It was that for fun electric, for fun electric. And, like, if you go upstairs, there's, like, a green room. We were fucking lighting up. There was like 20 people in like 20 different joints going around in that little ass fucking room, bro. Like, it felt good to not have to like go outside to smoke or have to go through the bracelet process to go, go all the way downstairs, you know? Yeah, man. You always want to smoke. You always want to smoke. It makes everything better, man. It makes the whole show better. Like, it's honestly the only real benefit to like a plus bell. Because at a certain point in the night, you can light your joint up <clears throat> in the middle of the floor, at least. I don't know about seats. I've never gotten seats at a venue like that. But, like, yeah, no, I realized that everybody I know smokes pot, and everybody I know finishes their set and walks outside, and myself included, and we all just go outside and smoke a joint the second we're done our sets. And then, like, yo, I don't, yo, what's up, Skin Deep? Yo, congrats, Skin Deep. Um, but, like, on the real it's like so for me it's like yo i want either we're in a park where i know motherfuckers can light up their joints or we in some loft where it's private and the second you put the word private motherfuckers can light up their joints and i know that's not appealing to the world but like yo everybody that comes and performs is smoking pot and going outside after anyway so like we have a little issue that i don't think we can fix <laughs> that easily so we have to in software land you would socially engineer a solution when facing a behavioral issue like this. So I don't think I can get people to not go outside and smoke weed. So I need to make sure they can smoke weed inside. Or outside, outside. I'm okay with that too. Yeah. But, um, so yeah, with it opening up though, do you have like any plans in the near future to get back into promoting or anything in that effect? Yeah, I would do a, I would do a show. I wouldn't do it on a regular basis. I would do a show every like six months or like twice a year, like three times a year or something, and like make you make you like more anticipated than if it was like in a, every three weeks, you know or. If you don't come to this one, you're going to have to wait total like eight, eight months before you get to see anything else. So you're, like a lot of people are going to come and pull up, you know? 
Do you think that the promoters in the city have to work together better? No. This is the best topic, right? Like, for example, who's one of the biggest rap promoters in Montreal? You should say him in a guess or two. <laughs> what fuck, man? I know his name. Ricky D. Okay. Some people be like, yo, Ricky D, man, he wants, he's asking money, man, up front. I don't pay to play, right? And I get, like, why artists, like, from the artist end, like, oh, man, like, yeah, like, who would want to be uh, asked to, for money to go perform, like, whatever, you know? But, like, I've been on the promoter end where, like, you give out tickets and, like, you're expecting money to come to you so you can pay your DJ, pay your costs, organizing and all this and that, venue costs, promoting on tickets, online promo, flyers, whatever. So, like, you're relying on money, and when guys are not giving you money that night or not showing up or whatever, like, you're out of that money, and what, you're just going to sit there and, like, be doing this because, like, Joe Schmo didn't show up to the show? Nah, to, to, to solidify that if you have no problem selling these tickets – then you should, if you have no problem selling these tickets, then you should have no problem paying the dude up front and getting your money right back once you sell the tickets. That's how the promoter has a peace of mind that he's not going to get fucked over a night of and have to come out of pocket for $600 and, you know, and have his night ruined, for example. You know what I mean? So that's why I... I dudes start charging like that because like artists in the city are just not fucking serious, you know, like, and the way, like, so when I was doing small shows, Ricky D does the biggest shows. I was doing shows on small levels with local artists and shit, no headliner or whatever, local artists. And like guys were struggling with fucking seven tickets, which I get it. It's tough sometimes, but like Friday night, downtown Montreal, if you're struggling with seven tickets and not even just seven tickets, it's seven tickets and like you, you pay me only for half the tickets. You keep the other half, you know, that's just an example, right? Like you, so you're struggling to sell three and a half tickets, get your brother, your girlfriend, your cousin, your mom, someone to come, one fan, your cousin, someone to come support you at these shows, like get someone like, like see why I can't be there throwing events and be sitting there. Like oh, I got $600 in cost to pay and uh, seven rappers didn't show up. You know what I'm trying to say? So it was like, a lot of rappers are just not serious, you know, like, and the reason they're not serious is not that they're not serious. Like they could appear serious online. They have a look like they have a lot of followers, this and that. But when it comes to bringing people in real life, it's just tough. Man. Not many people could do it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I'm, I was fortunate to like a bunch of times. That's why me and misery became a pair at one point is because me and him together could handle what, promoters were asking you know what i mean as like two nice artists from the city right so we made it work that way so like you know it's it's a lot of artists they just can't like they can be serious but they just don't have the capability or anybody around them that's gonna cough up 35 dollars for a fucking riffraff ticket you know what i mean you know, in hindsight, I'd go to a Riff Raff show for $35. That sounds like a pretty good time. Yeah, I, I, I opened for Riff Raff too. Windsor, it was, it, was, it was nice. But, like, was like, I know for a fact that at a certain point in my career, I couldn't have sold those tickets. But if I'm being, like, mad honest with myself today and now, 
I also didn't do anything to help myself sell tickets. Like, I put a lot of blame on a lot of things that were not myself, you know? Like, but at the same time, I didn't go to shows, right? That was something... I, ur- I get what you're saying. Like, Urban so Logics. You know what I used to do as a trick? You know, give people a diff. At one point, before I was getting my name up, tickets were 20. I was telling dudes... Like, I would keep five. I would have to give it back 15. I would tell dudes, yo, pay 15, not 20. And I would tell even close friends, yo, I'll, I'll lose a five. Give me 10, not 15. Just so the money flows and I can keep the relationship with, with the promoter. And then he knows when he books me, I get the job done. You know what I'm trying to say, though, or no? I hear you. I, I mean... Like, like you know what I mean? It's like, tough, man. It's tough. So like, I see both ends. I see why they're trying to get like, money up front. It's a business, this and that. And then I see why artists like can't move them as well. Some people, it's tough, man. Some people that in Montreal, there's not a lot of people like, that are like, here, man, I'm willing to throw you 25 and come out all night, man. Like, this there's is also not like not a lot of people, in my opinion, up until very recently, because very recently my attitude has shifted heavily because I see a lot of things bubbling that has me super excited. But I would say in the past, a lot of us also didn't do anything to fix the problem with few exceptions. So like people can say what they want about a CY, but you really did throw a lot of shows. And now that I'm in the position I'm in trying to make things happen, I'm going, oh, say a word, this is actually really hard. (laughs) And getting people to care is really fucking hard. And to maintain that for years and years and years, that's impressive. I'm not going to lie. I get why people feel how they feel a little bit more as time goes on. I mean, I believe that, like, we all just have to go small scale with this shit because, like, mitigate costs. And I'm really okay going bootleg. I'm not fancy at all. But, like, I also, I also just think a lot of us have the same goal now of, like, trying to attract a general audience to our moves and we should probably talk to the french players more and not be so separate with them i don't know about you but do you like fuck with the french scene a lot yeah my dude he's one of the biggest french artists and the three he's inside right now but uh yeah free doa and yeah i fuck with a lot of french guys they're really i like i can't say like I know what they're saying, but like, it's my dude, you know, I, I would support him if he was speaking Spanish or whatever, you know? So yeah, I fuck with a couple French guys. It's just like, the, like, the fans here, like, there's so many, like, small towns throughout Quebec, for example, right? And like, they're all fucking with all these French songs, man. Like, huge, like, all these artists are like, Big, like so huge in Quebec on comparison to like like for, I don't know if this is a good comparison I didn't listen to Mad Child for a long time but he's Canadian like Mad Child like he's a he's a bigger art he's one of the bigger Canadian artists like would you say would you say Mad Child is more popular than uh, what's the guy uh, Enema yeah but because of like Mad Child is somebody people in the states have like absolutely heard of. Right, they're more familiar like on a global scale, but like the numbers are like 
not even close, right? And it's just like because of how strong Quebec's fan base for the French rap is, bro, it's insane. But to be fair, I don't know that Mad Child's solo career is the same thing as Mad Child in a general statement. Right. If I get more specific, because right. 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 Swollen Members be lady. Right, right. I, right. I know, no, I'm not the hugest fan of Mad Child as a solo act. That's my opinion. Y'all can like him if you do. Uh, but with Swollen Members, I fucks with the vibe up until, like, it wasn't that fun no more. But, um,. I would argue that you may be able to claim with that that in a current era that it's possible Enema is more popular just because Quebec's ecosystem slash France slash whatever other French countries plus whatever English does care over. Maybe it is. Maybe it is that Enema is more popular. I couldn't answer that right now the more I think about it. You know, it's just, it's, it's insane, bro. Like, there's a lot of, it's not just Enema. There's like a good, like 20, like popular French guys, like. Tizo, uh, Soldier, uh, uh, White B, Izzy S. Like, there's a lot. Like, and they're getting, like, million views and shit. Like, Animal has three, four, five mil, like, you know? Like, big numbers, you know? It's huge. It's insane. And then it's, like, the reason I'm saying this is, like, it's so small in Montreal, uh, it's so small on the English side. Like, it's it's just such a gap, bro. Like, it's a, it's a mind-blowing gap, literally. I just think focusing on the numbers has been an issue because, like, end of the day, if we thought about it less, <clears throat> if we shifted from views and spins to, yo, like, take it, 350,000 people between LaSalle and NDG, how do we get... 2,000 people to give a shit enough to come on a regular basis to give us money. That feels like a more attainable goal that gives a lot more people bread. You know what I mean? Like, if we shift the thinking, it becomes, like, easier to hit these targets where we can, like, actually work together to create that vibe. No, I know. I, I get that. But for me, I look at it, like, so differently. I look at it like, like what these guys are trying to sell the people out here want like running to a desert where people haven't drank for a long time with water. They want that water. Like, yeah, these guys are, these guys, these guys, that's what they want out here. Like so many people are interested in French and it's just like, even the smaller French guys, I don't even know their names. Like they're fucking, they're, they're, they're like amount of eyes on them is like, like what it takes to get a thousand views and shit in Montreal is fucking like, it's not as easy as people think it is. Man. That's really hard, guy. That's true. It takes a lot, of, a lot of sharing. Like, and these guys are doing like the small ones are doing like fucking fifty k and shit. Like, you know, like that's small. Like, and that's like uh, if I don't even know if there's an English guy with a fifty k video this year. Uh, I really don't think there is. Maybe Nate Husser. Maybe, yeah. Nate Husser is doing, like, numbers I'm on his last track. Mike Schaub, Mike Schaub. See, Nate, Nate Husser had, like, one or two over 100K, 120K, 140, whatever, 180, whatever it is. That's big, man. For Englishman, when he did those numbers, I felt it in the city for that guy. Like, he was buzzing in the city. People were sharing everywhere. People were storing that guy left and right. Like, that guy was driving around. People are playing it. Like, you know, like, that guy was making noise. And in reality, like, 
that was like on the one of our like Montreal hasn't really had an English hit for a, for quite some time, you know, like like it's there's not really many songs that do much numbers. Like Crazy K, my dude Crazy K, shout out to Crazy K. He did a feature with Onyx. They did like a hundred K. That's great because no one's even doing a five K back when he did a hundred and twenty K. But in reality, bro, like he like had an Onyx feature and he only did a hundred K in the bigger scale of things. You know, like like it's tough. My Montreal's a fucking tough city, bro. For real. But yo, I was like <clears throat> I saw something on TikTok. I know, just how it started. But I saw this guy that wasn't from Montreal doing a best Montreal review list. And I said, say fucking word if you want to talk about reviews matter. Nate Husser, Mike Schaap, and, and it was a bunch of English dudes, actually. He found all the most views on the English guys and made a list out of it. And I thought that was so nifty that this random dude from wherever the fuck he is is on TikTok doing reviews that take two minutes, which blows my mind because mine takes so long. And... uh he he's just talking about Montreal like that and I'm like well I mean that's very encouraging and then like yo Nehas was just in LA and shit you know popping down there and then he comes back to Montreal sets up a basketball game in the community that's on the 21st I believe and they're doing like a whole tournament with a dodgeball game and it's like that kind of shit right like where to me it's like the community oriented stuff that now like grandmas and shit are going hmm maybe this is cool or whatever and like it creates like a more organic local buzz which is way less internet but then leads to people right. you've never heard of sharing your shit right I right think that's right. the side where it's like it's nicely put right. and i would say i would say like from what i see he like the ones that are more on like a community vibe like this my hood type shit i'm from this area right here they tend to have the most push, like King K. He's got the whole Saint Laurent behind him. K Goon, whole Burgundy. I see, I see Nate Hunter's doing his thing. Little Burgundy, you know, like a lot of people are supporting. Like, you know, like it's good to have your your hood behind you for sure, you know. So I feel like the problem with NDG is it got gentrified, and that changed everything for NDG. I mean, that's the facts of it. I've been the demos are what they are now so it's a really blended not what it used to be neighborhood but that means there's still room but it's really english so it's like a different ndg than it used to be but there's still opportunity for ndg to pop off some shit man like gerard park is like begging for a community you know <clears throat> here let me let me ask you one question i want to pick your mind one thing who would you say over your years of watching that you didn't like it anymore, that you started coming back around, whatever whatever it is, in your words, who would you say are the top five in your eyes artists from Montreal, rap artists? Not artists, battle, it could be anybody. Like, like Cool Man Logan does battle raps and he does like, it could be yeah, I would say Cool Man Logan is definitely one of the top guys on the English scene. Um, I believe that if Cool Man Logan were to do a set, and I'm going to base this on ticket sales, right? Because nothing else is important to me. The rest of it's a little more fluffy. But I'm convinced Cool Man Logan could pull 50, 100 people by himself to a show if he really put his heart into it on some, like, marketed it correctly. He's got that fan base set up. He's I've seen him in person. I've seen him in person at a show. 
just greeting all his supporters, taking like five minutes to talk to everyone that came out to buy a ticket from him. And he sold a bunch of them, bro. I was, I was, I'm going to be honest right now. Like, I was surprised. Like, oh, fuck, okay. Like, I, right. I was a fan of him as a battle rapper, but he, he paused for a very long, long time where, like, I wasn't sure. But, like, yeah, his capability of doing exactly what you said is actually, like, very big, man. For real. So I, I believe that Cool Man Logan, and I'm so glad Cool Man Logan's in my side right now. Like, to have that guy in your camp, oh, my God, that's a blessing, right? Like, that's a blessing. Because I'm convinced Cool Man Logan is in the realms of hip-hop I play, and he might be the guy to, like, really do a lot for the middle-tier thing that I see developing in the next while. Um Nate Husser is definitely, in my opinion, the guy who's done the most recently. I mean, just getting the placement in a Jake Paul video, like at that moment in a boxing history, you know, that's a big move. Nobody touched that move last year. Plus, Nate Huss gave away money on that Jelly uh, Freestyle Challenge, and that wasn't even his first one. I saw Nate Husser give Merker Miyagi $50, and that stuck with me. So I started a contest and shit. So like, no, Nate Husser is whatever. He's got the people behind him. You watch his music videos. Yo, they're good. I don't like music videos. I like Nate Husser's. Did you see the marketing campaign where he's getting like arrested on some fucking adult whatever fake news shit? And then that ties into the music video. Like that shit fucks me up, man. My girlfriend hit me up. Hold on. Nate Husser got arrested. Did you see? Cause you know, for a second she believed it, and it was promo link in bio, and I'm like, you know what I like about him the most? I like that. Like he's one of the like, still street, but like gives you a different vibe, like a different kind of feel, like you know, like I'm not your typical street dude. Like I'm, I'm outside the box, unorthodox. He's unorthodox, you know. Like he's like, I like it. It's different, man. It's like that. Like he's like he's not a lyricist, which I usually like lyricism more. But like he's like he's not. Yo, it's vibes. not saying anything either. He squeezes yeah, it in nice, but he does it right, like in his right. balance where it's perfect. I have to give Travis Bryant, aka Fury, all the credit. I am absolutely convinced the vibe. Hey, I like the vibe he's on because I fucks with Lil Peep and all that shit, right? So I fucks with this wave that he's on right now, so much. Plus, he still sneaks in the bars and everything. Plus, he's like a 37-year-old or whatever he is, dysfunctional dude that just is attractive to girls that like broken guys. He is a sex appeal in a box to the right kind of girl. And that shit is not lost on me. That guy just oozes swagger in a way that like is not like it's incredible. Plus, the brand just makes sense. And the brand is powerful for him. And it's like, nah, he's got something. I don't know what he can do in ticket sales. But I think that that guy could sell merchandise, which I equate to being equal to ticket sales because he, he has interesting merch that made me go, I'm not dropping shit till I have a good idea, right? When somebody makes you go like that, you know they're on to something. Um, those three are for sure for me, like people that can pop. But then I have to just add the caveat. I don't know a lot of people under the age of 25, and I absolutely think those people count for way more. I'm going to throw Mike Shabin because I know who he is and I keep listening to his music and it's weird in a sense of the demos of the lives that I'm so fucking into his music 
So I have to give him credit because I get excited when Mike Shab drops, and maybe he doesn't well, pop. He's, doing something right. he's, very, he's verified on the ground. He's doing something right. Bro. He's really uh, talented and amazing to me. And again, I even don't. I know a fraction of the scene is the problem. Is what I learned. So all of my list comes with that caveat. If I've never heard of you, I'm sorry. There's a lot of people here. Um, okay, how, about, how, how about we finish here with, 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 with this? What, why don't we say this? Who's the first rapper you ever heard of in Montreal ever? How old were you? Um, first rapper in Montreal would have been. Fuck, shit. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. It has to be Hodges in nineteen or seventeen or whatever, eighteen, somewhere in early Abbott. But then, really, after that, nothing for a minute. I mean, I met some people. Oh, shit, that's not true. This dude in the West Island, his name was Ko. Ko in the West what? Island. He sold me his fucking CD at the music store, store, and I'm not gonna lie, I knew him from like the neighborhood. It just Ko is his name. This guy didn't go anywhere with it, but I had his album and I bumped his tracks for fucking. He doesn't know this, but he had like two tracks that were in rotation for like six, seven years, dude. Not gonna lie. This random guy KO because he sold me his album for ten bucks or whatever. Um, otherwise, That's I sort of to be, bro. then um, it would have been I got to the call center and I, I got linked up with the Meyer Clarity Buds Big H Squad and all of them, and then simultaneously I moved. I ended up around Elmhurst, uh, which introduced me to Eye Blast and all of those people. Not in like a direct way, just I happened to be I like, oh, I live on Elmhurst that guy's talking that guy's music videos where am i you know like you kind of notice that but yo i blast on the real real is the one of the only rappers i ever heard a regular civilian go hold and check out this guy he's from montreal you have to hear this that was the only guy and it was stunt man i blast stunt man right fire see like around those times he was so hot bro Born for this and, and stuntman and all that, he was really on top. I can't lie, he was he, he was my favorite artist from Montreal at the time. Him, Moy Blue, uh, those guys were really hot back in the day. They were really doing their thing back in the day. So I didn't know who any of them were like any of them. I know I went to like I tried to go to some shit. I went to some show that a lot of them were at because SRH performed at it, and I was HSR, and there was an SRH. And I mean, it, we both did it off our name, and it was just like, what the fuck, you know? Like it is what it is. Um, and then I saw like Northern, uh, like like fuck Northern Lights, and them fucking perform. And I remember G Don performing and a bunch of shit like that. But like I didn't finish the night because it got too late for me. Cause I'm not like down for 4 a.m. fucking end times, but like, it was like, um, I I just didn't know anything about the local scene, dude. Outside of like. The shows I was at and my interest wasn't there to be honest with you. I have a direct message of D shade trying to share a fucking song with me in 2014 and me ignoring him. Like, do you know how like stupid that is later on in life? When you realize what that is, a guy trying to reach out to you and you, you snub D shade, yo, I'm an asshole. Like, you know, like, I mean, I feel like D shade and I are cool. I, I definitely like made it clear to him. I know who he is one day, but like, I had a lot of moments more like that because I took no interest in my local scene. So, like, it wasn't until 
like late like even with the youtube i only went to that because i was like fuck the local scene i'm gonna go get famous on youtube fuck 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 you know all that kind of attitude a lot of us get i never stopped rapping but like i did not give a shit about really montreal at that point and then i read krs one's the gospel of hip-hop and he's like invest in your community for three years and they will never let you starve and that and then i realized i misplayed <clears throat> like a lot and started caring more about Montreal. And then I talked to Logix. <laughs> and uh, Logix and I linked up on some... He saw me doing reviews and came by and we shot the shit. I reviewed some of the sovereign music movements, people's shit. And it's like, oh, say word. This is like really good shit too. Like it's Montreal and it's really good shit. And then Logic starts rapping these bars from Montreal bars at me. And he starts breaking down some history about like old Montreal. And I'm like, oh my God, like you don't know anything at that point. And then he tells me part of Fat Joe's success is that Fat Joe used to roll up on people's shows like 30 deep, even if he hated your music, just to be there to show love for the culture. And again, I saw all the misplaced because I never went to anyone's shows and I was fucking a pissy asshole and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but the truth is, is I know that I'm saying this because I know a lot of y'all watching this are me. A lot of us want to gossip and talk shit more than we want to contribute and build. And and then I had to like, even even with the interviews, it took a long time. And I'm saying deep into 2021 for like me to really, really find the right way to be with people, to not be like commercial and transactional with my relationships to say, and to not try to like peacock and, and be specialer than I am. And to just kind of play the role and run it and just know my place a little bit. You know, I had to learn my place, you could say. But with that, I have a lot more humility for the scene. I have a lot more respect for like so many people's stories are incredible. Like Skin Deep came through before. Skin Deep's like, yo, like this guy's been at it twice as long as me. You know, how could I ever, you know, you start hearing shit like that. People have put together multiple projects and tapes and bro, like I barely have a catalog compared to what people have done. And so now I have to kick it into overdrive and do some real shit. But like, I just didn't care until I did. And now I'm, now I have to fix, you know, like now I'm just trying to make sure people care. Cause that was a bit, and I know a lot of people didn't care cause we didn't care together. You know what I mean? For sure. Lots of people are very happy, and myself included, sometimes. Yo, because, like I said earlier, I think there's a gossip issue where, like, we like to be, like, negative and look for reasons to nitpick each other. And I'm very... Sometimes I fall prey to it. Sometimes I talk some shit I shouldn't talk, and I regret it. Because people remember is the lesson. People remember the things that you say, and it's like, okay, no. It's about putting out positive energy and love into the universe. Because then what people are going to come back and say you said good things about them i can live with that you know <laughs> that's where i'm at with life now especially with the role i'm in because yeah again i'm not gonna try and pretend like like yo, know, all of a sudden i got attention like i never got in like january <laughs> you know like bro it fucked me up i got you know it's like you said like walking down the street kind of vibes but like my dms lit up in ways i'd never seen before dude 40 50 messages a day i'm like i don't know people like that dude i'm like a loner <laughs> but yeah i mean i didn't care until i did and now like i regret it 
and I wish I had spent more. Bro, like, I could have gone to the last Murder Face show. I remember the flyer, and I remember choosing not to go. And in hindsight, like, that's like a piece of history that ended, and I chose to skip that shit. And that's my career. I chose to skip that shit. You know, like, it's not... Who the fuck cares what I can do as a rapper, like, if I'm not there, you know? Like, if you're not even part of the community. Yeah, anyway. I guess that was my convoluted answer to that question. Pardon? That was my big ass convoluted answer to that question. <laughs> my bad, bro. Nah, it's cool. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just super hopeful for the scene. I just have, like you know how many podcasts there are now doing this. That's all we can do, bro. Be hopeful, bro. But one day maybe some shift get a lot better, bro. I think it's happening, man. There's a lot of people doing shit now. Like, there's, like, what? Yo, right now, by the way, King of the Dot has 1,400 people on. Just on a regular day. Um, But, yeah, there's a lot of people bubbling. Like, 514 Online Mix doing a lot right now. Like, fucking the Glock Party podcast has started doing their shit. Fucking, um, you know, uh, the Hustle Man with Tech Luciano and them. That's fucking lit. I went to their show, dude. And they got, like, a poker table. And a bunch of shit in a proper studio and they do the thing and they lining it up yo you should you should try to reach out to them or something i don't know but like and then like you know all of these different people you know are like starting to create this wave of like bubbling media you should jump in the media game you fucking kill podcasts i definitely want to do something like that i got something like that working out right now but not not for music for sports yeah that's and, a uh, that's a good flex that's fair when is that gonna come working on it right now i'm just trying to find a third person for me and my boy i'm just trying to find a third like person like so like we can get it like get it into into play but uh yeah nothing it's not, not nothing too solid right now but we have like the game plan mapped out at least you know yeah i hear you man Yo, it's important to make sure you go into stuff with a good plan, because otherwise it gets yeah. messy. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Do you have any it's more? <clears throat> Do you have any more like singles lined up in the near future? Yeah, I got a couple. Of, I got a track coming. I got a video coming soon. It's called "Trapping Out the Limo." The song says it says, says what it is itself. Um, I got. Uh, uh, I got a few. I got a few different ones. I got something called uh, "Hold It Down." I got I got a whole bunch of different shit, all kinds of different sounds. Cause like, I like to do different things now. I like to do different auto tunes. I like to do some old school rap. I like to do some old school vibes, and then I'll do some just some trap shit. Then I'll just, just a mix of both, some auto tune with some good verses written. You know, like all kinds of vibes, you know? Yeah, man, I hear you. Yo, CY, man, I appreciate you coming through. Do you have, like, any, like, last words, though, that you want to give off to the fine people? Yeah, just follow me on Instagram, CY Southwest. Yeah, I'm Yo, and I appreciate you coming through, man. Um, Honestly, I think this is a good conversation. Anything that goes past two and a half hours is litty. You know, that's a good length, is all I'm saying. 
So I appreciate that you came through for and, and held it down. And that we talked about Montreal like that. Honestly, Scott asked me to ask people who their favorite Montrealers were to see how people answered it, to see where people are at with their level of caring with the scene. So the fact that you're able to answer that question is actually pretty fucking big, all things considered. You know what I mean? Um, so like with that, I also want to just thank all the people watching because y'all are wonderful too. And you y'all need to know that CY did a lot of things like there probably isn't really a lot of us out here in the situations that people are in without something CY has touched in the last while. Right. Even like Chris Chrome's very first show is a CY show. Right. Like, so like there's a lot of people in the course of time that this guy has actually impacted in a tangible way. Cause that first show, bro, that's the first show. That's the hardest show to find for your life. <laughs> and then it gets simpler. And wow, so, exactly. Yeah, you're right. That's true. So like end of the day, I think it's just worth pointing that out and that you did a lot for the history of the city whether whatever you know like that's just the facts of the situation you put on a lot of shows you performed a lot and there's probably more people that know your name than know a lot of other people's names which is relevancy so that's an amazing situation and i'm certain that whatever you proceed to do whenever you get that podcast off it'll work it songs are going to come it's going to keep working and i'm certain the community vibes are going to pop off too and all that so yeah thank you all again for watching one more time and uh we're gonna start the raid right now and uh yo live long and prosper everybody Thank you.